What up, y'all? On today's episode, we have my boy, Jose Mangandi. I met Jose when I moved back to D.C. in the summer of 2019, about a year ago, um, and we started working together at Equinox. Jose's 22 years old, man. Right when I met this kid, he had just graduated from college, and when I learned that fact, I was shocked. I didn't learn that fact until, I guess, a couple weeks after I met him. I assumed this guy was a fully functioning, uh, high-functioning grown man, but he's, I mean, I guess technically he's a grown man, but you know, he's a kid who just graduated college and, and within our Equinox personal training cohort, about 25 of us, he was the shining star. He outperformed all of us in terms of our knowledge base, um, his investment in in the job, his passion for the job. Uh, I'm, I'm racking my brain now, but quite frankly, I think the dude was just the best personal trainer of all of us. Uh, and Equinox is kind of the pinnacle of the personal training industry. And this guy at 22, just graduated in college, was was the best of all of us. He's, a, he's an incredibly impressive dude. All that being said, I mean, and he's accomplished and is that person despite a pretty challenging upbringing. He gets into it, uh, man. But Jose wasn't born in this country. Uh, his journey to this country is a pretty fucking remarkable one. And his establishment um, as, as a member of this American society, uh, you know, certainly wasn't a smooth path. The shit he has accomplished, uh, given his background and things he's overcome is nothing short of remarkable. I respect the fuck out of this dude. Um, uh, it's a shame I didn't get to spend uh, more time with him. I guess like all these, um, like Jonathan last week and then our guest next week, all of whom I met at Equinox, you know, my relationship with these people only lasted five or six months and, you know, I hope to whatever greater powers that be that uh, that uh, Jose and I get to rekindle our relationship in the future. Um, guys, incredibly, uh, incredibly impressive dude, and not just as a uh, a fitness professional, but just as a human being. Um, and hopefully, you get a taste of that, or you will get a taste of that in this interview. Uh, so here's my boy Jose Mangandi. All right, you ready to tell your life story, bro? Yeah, dude. So. All started in 1997. <laughs> um, Is that when you were born, for real? Yeah, 97. 1997. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. That's 88. September 15th. You were 88? No way. Yeah. Dude, what? So you're like, little, you're 11 years older than I? You're 97? No, I'm 9. 9. What the fuck? I can't do math. 88 to 97? No. 7... 88 to 97. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, when I was born, you were nine years old. No, I was, when you were born, I was in fourth. Well, what month were you born? September. September 97. Yeah, I was in fourth grade. That was the first year I ever watched football. September <laughs> what? 15th. Yeah, that might have been, that's probably like week two. Yeah, of NFL season. <laughs> I think the first game I watched was week one, 1997. Vikings-Bills, I think was the game. Um, so. Yeah, we're, okay. So, yeah. yeah, tell me the story. So, where so were we born? 97, um, El Salvador. September uh, 15th. Isn't that, uh, didn't we talk about this? Isn't that like Bolo- Bolivarian? That's pretty much Central American Independence, Independence Day. Yeah. Yeah. Central American Independence Day, uh, from what I heard from my mom, 
she was doing some sort of shopping or some sort of market. I don't know what the fuck she was doing, but she was somewhere and she just happened and it wasn't meant to happen for like another two weeks. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, she said I was born at 13 pounds, which I think is what? insane. Yeah, it's pretty fat. <laughs> no way. Yeah, dude. I, I don't have like a proof, but I mean, she said, I believe her. Like, right. you know, I don't know why she would lie. <laughs> so unless it was kilograms. But 13 kilograms would be more than pounds. Would it be more than pounds? Uh, 2.2 yeah. 2 pounds a kilo. No, so 13. Not, yeah, 13 kilograms would be like fucking 40 I mean, it's pounds, possible. It's not outrageous. Pounds. I was 10, and I thought that was huge. Yeah. Or from what I've heard, that's huge. I don't have any sense of infant experience. So. Damn. Yeah, I mean. And you were born in El Salvador? Yeah. You were probably the biggest baby born in El Salvador in like a decade. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um... <laughs> Probably, yeah. So, shortly after I was born, my parents came to the United States. Probably like ninety eight. Okay. Um, that's period. that's when uh, they started to give out temporary protected status. It was just for El Salvador, right? Well, it was for a few countries, okay. but it had just begun. Okay. Like ninety eight was a year it had just begun. So my parents came to this to the states illegally. Um, but because that was a thing, they kind of like retroactively applied for that mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. And then they also applied for me and my older sister. Uh-huh. So they were managed, they managed to get us social security numbers. Oh shit. And, yeah. And, uh, these temporary protective status, uh, documents. Uh-huh. Um, so once we came into the States, we still came in illegally. Mm-hmm. We didn't come in like in a plane or fucking like drove through the ports or whatever we we came we still came illegally but once we got here it looked like as if we had been here right on paper yeah yeah on paper for a while so I was like okay that was a pretty smart move um wasn't there an earthquake in El Salvador at one point that what what was that Civil War was kind of I think the driver for that 98 there was like a Late '80s to early '90s was like a big civil war okay. in El Salvador, um, and that's why there's so many Salvadorans in DC, right? Yeah, civil war, and then like the remains of that was just shit, and then a lot of the gangs kind of took over because it was a civil, it was a, po- a political civil war, right? Right. So if you if both of them just tear each other down, and it's like who the fuck's gonna be in charge? Right. Gangs were like, all right, cool, we're right. in charge now. Yeah. So then it was pretty bad. Uh, up until recently, the new president has really been uh, like hammering down on the gangs I have no idea how the fuck he's doing it not mm-hmm. getting assassinated but mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah I lived in Honduras in 2000 I lived there first time I went there was 2011 and then I lived there for like a year in 2013 2014 but in 2009 they had a coup and so the same thing there's no government yeah it's like oh who's gonna step into this power exactly. vacuum exactly <laughs> fucking organized crime yeah it's a disaster dude yeah it's really bad so, I mean, El Salvador is still to this, uh, I guess you're saying maybe it's, in like the last year or two, it's kind of I mean, better. I remember when I was like Recently, like months. Right, right, yeah. right. And yeah, in the last couple years, El Salvador, I know, was really bad. Yeah. So, I mean, I haven't been back. Uh, I Only reason I would like to go back is to see my grandparents. Um, but I don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon. Right. Yeah, um, what family still there? All of your yeah. parents on both sides? My mom's side. Right. Uh, my dad's side, uh, both my grandma and grandpa are dead. Um, but I haven't seen my like either grandparents since I was like four years old. Right. So to me, you were it's, a year when you left, huh? You're like a year old when you left. No, I was I was three. Oh, okay. I turned ninety eight. 
they they came here in '98. Oh, you stayed. For yeah, years. I, yeah, exactly. Okay. And I entered the country in like oh one oh two thousand. Who'd you come with? My older sister. Just you and her. Yeah. Oh fuck! Yeah, exactly. let's hear it. Let's hear the story. So, tell us. This thing, I don't remember much of it. That's the okay. crazy part. Well, like, I, you, I, I wish. I wish I did. I did, I know that along the way, I turned four. Um, we had like some sort of like chocolate cake. What? Yeah, it was. It was like it's like some people, some person's house. I have no idea who this right. person is. You know, so like we're kind of just. I'm assuming that we're driving in the back of this fucking pickup truck <laughs> through Mexico and. Um, <laughs> this, is the, this is the image you have in your head? Yes, yeah, it's the image I have in my head. It's just like driving through Mexico. And there's a chocolate like cake a, in your lap. A, a green uh, Toyota Tacoma uh, with a bed. Um, yeah, and and yeah, I mean, we crossed over. I don't re- honestly remember anything. Um, we got dropped off in California. Mm-hmm. So my parents lived in D.C. at the time. Uh, they, lived, they lived like close to here. I think it was northeast. Did they go straight to D.C.? El Salvador to D.C.? From I Lina? think... They went to Texas and then D.C. Okay. Probably, yeah. Right. Um, they picked me and my sister up in Los Angeles. Uh, drove there. From, from D.C.? DC. Whoa. It's like a week drive. Right. Literally like seven days. Right. And then drove back. Wow. Yeah, and took us to D.C. And... I don't know, it's pretty, it pretty crazy. Like, as a five-year-old... How old was your sister? She's seven. She's two years older than I am. So, you, so she was five when you crossed. No, I was. I turned. She was six then, because I okay. turned four. She was six. Right. So she was two years older than I am. So wow. She's a little, she could. She could probably speak like coherently. I was like, right. Kind of still like trying to figure shit out. Wow. But we only knew Spanish. Um, when we got here, uh, we both got put right away in school because we we're the ages, right? right? She, uh, we went through ESOL, um, and I think she had a hard time ad- adapting, adopting to this new kind of like life because mm-hmm. everything's in English, mm-hmm. uh, everything's different, and it's like these two random people in our lives are like, "Where are your parents?" Like, listen to what we say. And I was like, "Where the fuck have you been?" Like, <laughs> it's like, yeah. like what? What are you talking about? Like, you, you know, my mom says that I used to tell her all the time that she wasn't actually my mom, but wow. that my grandma was my mom. Um, yeah, so I was like, okay, that's interesting. Um, and then, you know, I don't know, just adopting to American culture. I mean, I literally came at the perfect age to hop right into the American education system. Yeah. Um, I went to pre-K, kindergarten, first grade, and second grade here in D.C. Uh, over there on, uh, I went to Brooklyn Elementary School. That is, what's that street? Is that, it's not Irving, it's, uh... Oh, I'm trying to think. Man, you know Brooklyn where that bridge is? Mm-hmm. Do you? Uh, not on the side of the Catholic uh, school, but on the other side of the bridge. Mm-hmm. It's like near there. Is it elementary school? Yeah. Now I think they tore it down. They built like a a middle slash high school thing. Like a, like a, whatever you call those. Like a, it was DCPS? Yeah. At the time? Yeah. And it was shit. Like yeah yeah it it, it, it sucked. Um, my teachers were pretty bad. Um, the environments were pretty like the the conditions the 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 levels to which the building was maintained was pretty bad. Did y'all live? Y'all must have lived in DC then. And we the did. City. We lived in Irving on Irving Street, which was kind of like like a fifteen maybe ten fifteen minute away from uh-huh. the school. Um, yeah, and 
the reason okay so the reason we live there is because my parents were living in a subsidized housing program named Mary House uh-huh. yeah, yeah. And then full circle I'm living with them again right now um, in Mary House yeah in the same thing uh, is it in DC? No, it's not in DC, uh, but kinda. So yeah, Mary's so full house, circle. Mary's. That's like a big organization, right? I think. Yeah, they're pretty huge. Right? They, they do like medical <clears throat> services, I think. No, are you thinking Mary Center? Yes. Yeah. So that's what I'm thinking of. exactly. So Mary Center is where my mom met Sharon Murphy, which is one of the owners of Mary House. Well, her and her husband are the owners of it. Um, and then Sharon, according to what she told me. Uh, went over to where we were living previously, saw our conditions, and was like, that's shit, like, you have to, like, live somewhere, like, better, like, she said there was, like, mold on the walls, and, like, you know, just, like... In the neighborhood, y'all are living in the Irving Street place? House. Yeah. Okay. So, so my mom met Sharon through uh, Mary Center, because that's where you go to get, like, cheap, you know... Health services Health and services shit, yeah. and shit, right? So there, and then we moved into Mary House, which was on Irving Street, and that place still exists today... And over the summer, I was working with, uh, working for them and like maintaining the properties and like cutting grass and shit. And it's just so crazy to go back to that place and see that. And it's like, I really spent a chunk of my life here. How long? So from like probably four to eight, so like four years. Okay. So it was, it was like early, definitely like early on to the point where I remember. Yeah. I took, I did second grade there. Like I finished second grade there. Um, and it, it was pretty, it was pretty crappy. Like, I remember, the one thing I do remember vividly is when 9-11 happened on 01. Mm-hmm. Um, you were every, four, five. Yeah, almost five. Almost five. You remember like, that? Yeah, I do. Oh, was, shit. Yeah, we, we, yeah. Uh, like, they made, like, an announcement, and then everyone, like, turned the TV. You know, because they always had the TV set up in the corner. Like, yeah. It was, like, those fat TVs, and then, like, all the, like, people, like, people were, like, crying and shit, and I was just, like, what Kids? The f-? Well, no, adults. Uh, yeah. Other adults in the school? What do you mean, like, like teachers, teachers and, and shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Like, they were all, like, crying and shit, and I was, like, what the fuck is going on? Well, I guess it happened in D.C. That's an t- entirely different experience. I was in Atlanta. Mm. Yeah, you're in D.C. I mean, that's, it's not, you know, the extent of, like, being in New York when the towers exactly. fell, but it's, yeah. you know... You're not that far from the Pentagon. No. And one of that, the plane that crashed on the, the ground probably was headed to DC too. Yeah. So that, uh, that that's happened. Intense. I remember that and I was like, that's pretty crazy. And, uh, you know, the year after, I remember people kind of mourning about it again. Um, but throughout this entire time, I think my mom worked in the nights. My dad worked mostly through the day and got home around 7, 8 p.m. So there was, like, lots of times we were just left alone. Mm-hmm. We were old enough to be left alone. What do your parents do? Uh, my mom was working at, like, maintenance in some, like, D.C. building. I have no idea. And my dad was actually working for a... Con- he was doing construction, but he was doing, like, some sort of government contract. So he was getting paid, like, $45 an hour. Oh, shit. So your dad was making good money. He's making good money, but he was... He, he, he wasted it all. Um... So yeah, so those two, uh, my younger sister was born in 2000. So, oh, so there's a third, okay. Yeah, so there's a third. My younger sister was born in 2000. Um, so this is like, what, 201 or two, she was like one or two years old. Right. Um, but yeah, my dad make, make making lots of money. Uh, lots, How was he wasting it all? 
lots of beer uh, going out and drinking yeah he had his own like his own he, he was a contractor so he had like his own like little like business thing going on mm-hmm. with his group of people um and just tons of alcohol and like thinking now I'm like I, I don't understand how you can spend that much money on alcohol um I never took him for much of a drug user but my mom as of more recently she's like I swear like, like you know she she says like there's no way you could spend that much money on alcohol. And I'm like, you know what? You're kind of like reasonable because they would bars, buy, maybe like, no, well, the thing is like, they would sit at home, like buy like a 48 pack and just sit at home. Like a Corona's obviously. Yeah. That's not, they sit at home. Just like, that's like, it's like 30, 40 bucks. Like, yeah. It's not like, so I don't understand, you know, um, I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But it, ever since, uh, my parents got together back in El Salvador and came over here, They've never been like a good couple. Like they, it's, it's more. It was more of a survival thing versus right. a like. I don't even know. Like I guess other reasons you get married. Mm-hmm. So, well, they had kids and got to stay together. I mean, I'm yeah. sure there's a ton of relationships out there that are yeah. like that. I mean, that's why the divorce rate's so high. Yeah. So you're surviving, and then I don't know. You can't take anymore. The kids grow <laughs> up and like, fuck it. Yeah. yeah. So uh, growing up. A uh, pretty toxic household. Lots of arguing. Lots of uh, fighting. Uh, alcohol abuse. Alcoholism. Definitely an addiction to it, to it. Um, in in an attempt to uh, escape from life. Um, you know, when you're a kid, that doesn't make sense. But now it's like, yeah, that's definitely what was happening. Um, yeah, my dad's always. He's always. He's, he's very interesting. I, I never. Fully have I, I don't think I've, I understand his thought process because he's a very intelligent guy. You know, he kind of makes things happen when he wants mm-hmm. to. But I think what I'm trying to say is I don't understand his priorities. Mm-hmm. I don't know what his priorities are. I don't know what matters to him. Mm-hmm. Um, similar with my mom, I don't know what their priorities are because sometimes they do things that doesn't make don't make sense to me. Um, my Dad is insanely jealous. We used to be, I guess. I mean, they're not together anymore. Your parents um, aren't together anymore now? No, no. I was able to get them to live separately. Oh, really? Yeah. Was this a recent development? Yeah. Like, how recent? Like, maybe the beginning of the summer. Oh, shit. Like, the summer just passed. Yeah, so right before yeah. you and I met in, what, end of June? Yeah. So wow. I, I, I put that together and made it happen. Um, Were they to get, They were just living together unhealthy toxic relationships yeah so they were living together in an apartment because I had moved out my um, older sister was living with her boyfriend and stuff at the time so it was just them two and my younger sister in the apartment and my younger sister was barely there because she would spend time either in school or with her boyfriend and stuff so uh, the only reason they didn't want to move out or like separate is because they wanted her to finish high school once she finished high school which was in 2017 yeah 2017 then they still stayed together for another year or so. And I was like, like, wasn't like, wasn't that the plan? So then my younger sister, then like, I was like, okay, like you guys have to move out. Like this is like not working. Like, right. Um, cause every, like, I, it's hard for me to describe the role that I play in my family, but it's like, whenever someone needs something, they come to me. Okay. I'm not like, a fucking therapist where I don't like I'm not like gonna sit there on the phone and listen to like you vent for the next hour but if it's like look I need this done I'm like alright cool 
Yeah, it's kind of the role you played played at work too at Equinox. Yeah, you know, but yeah, so you know, kind of goes like, like everything's full circle, right? Everything kind of comes back. Um, so uh, they would always call me, and it's like, and vent to me, and I'm like, why are you putting this on me? Like mm-hmm. I am your child. Mm-hmm. Like why? Like I don't understand what you think. Who you think I am? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I got it th- I got them separate. But you adopted um, like this role as a peer. I yeah, I have no idea, man. It's it's crazy. But they were always fighting and toxic. And my dad had allegedly I never saw it, but allegedly had like this illegal gun and like threatened my mom. And he uh, there was definitely domestic violence. Um, nothing insane though, but definitely like pushing. Uh, yeah, I mean, like pushing a little bit of like holding and like mm-hmm. yeah. So definitely like you got physical, but nothing like insane where you like would imagine like black Beatings. and blue eyes and right. things like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, my dad was very jealous. He like would pull up to my mom's job and like just like stalk her and like crazy shit. Wow. And yeah, and then like all under the influence of like alcohol. Right. He's gotten like probably like three DUIs over the course of his life, um, and he is crazy because I'm honestly surprised that he is still in the country. I am surprised that he's not. Yeah, that's reported. true, huh? I am baffled because I, I and I think it's because of the area we live in, where it's like you know more like it's less like uh, aggressive on immigrants, and like the fact that you are an immigrant, like they don't necessarily the first thing they want to do is get you out you know right. they'd like rather take your money and have you pay and do, go right. through the system right. they wouldn't mind that but in other places it's like oh like you fucked up you're gone yeah your dad's like a guaranteed DUI what is that like $10,000 to the system every yeah. few years so he just got one like fucking year ago yeah fucking retard so it sounds like my dad man my dad has the same story <laughs> I didn't grow up with my dad I don't know him as well but I know yeah. it's similar shit just like it's like fucking like you know uh, who I I mean I'm no saint man but alcohol just I couldn't drink alcohol that much I like to get drunk every now and then I think it's fun but I don't understand like repeated daily or even majority of day alcohol use to the point of intoxication or even any consumption dude that's crazy that's like you feel so shitty all the time yeah and that's what it's definitely like he used he uses money kind of like just get happy, right. you know. So like go out to restaurants, probably like strip clubs and things of that nature. You know, just kind of indulging in the right. pleasures of life. Right. Um, but yeah, it was very toxic. Uh, it's terrible. Um, I mean, I honestly don't remember much of it, and I think that's not. A, I, I don't think that's a coincidence. You don't have a like a clear progression in my head of. Up until what age? Um, The next thing I remember tipping forward from that is like we moved out of Mary House and moved to Maryland and we lived in kind of like Langley Park. That's like third grade? Uh, Yeah, like third, fourth grade. Okay. Um, And I now went to Maryland public schools, Uh the school called Mary uh, Harris Mother Jones. It's on like Delphi University Boulevard. Okay. Um, so it's, it's like it's still there today. It's a public school, Mother Jones. Yeah. Oh, Mother Jones. Okay. Yeah. Not like Mother Jones, like none. Uh, I think she's like 
It's like a civil rights act or something. I, I, I'm not. I, I know for sure there's some sort of his, history context yeah. there. But yeah. that school. Uh, what county is that? Prince George's. George. Yeah. yeah. Prince George's County Public yeah. Schools. Yep. That, uh, that school changed my life. Really? Yeah. Oh, shit. I had third grade teacher named Miss Scott, fourth grade teacher named Miss Verostek. Um, fun fact. That fourth grade year, I got straight A's the entire year. That was the first time I got, like, addicted to, like, getting good academic success. Academic success. That, I was like, this is awesome. I was like, shitting shitting on all the kids, and I was like, oh, y'all fucking suck. (laughs) Like, this is a walk in the park, like, um, but I think... I think in a way school became you're probably like mastering English at that point mm-hmm. like you gotta, you gotta I was still down. doing ESOL yeah. in third grade yeah um, fourth grade is when I and you cut your ESOL. teeth at like a shitty school so you were kind of hardened yeah <laughs> and uh, I think my now thinking back to it I think the reason I was good at school is because it's all I had right like I wouldn't I can go home and there was no love there was no uh, care there was no understanding of the society uh, there was no like asking me what I am as a person, like what my interest is, what my passion was, what my opinions were. You know, things that are are important for humans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> um, shit. So I just went to school, and that was the way I expressed myself, and that kind of became part of my identity, which I still sticks to this day. Right. Um, You're yeah. also looking for like the, you know, the positive reinforcement yeah, from the exactly. adults, the appreciation, yeah. you know, the 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 praise. You know, looking for all that good stuff. And it's like, oh, you got straight A's? Yeah, like, you're one of the best. Like, you know, we had these award ceremonies. Right. Uh, I, we would get, like, certificates. Like, there's some, like, yeah. the most, most bullshit certificates. But, like, I lived for those. Yeah, like, the fourth grade, that's a huge deal. Like, I, I would, like, go to these to these ceremonies and just know that I was going to get showered with <laughs> pieces of paper. Would and your parents come to these? No. Really? They, yeah, I don't know if you could. I don't... I, mean, I think you could have, actually. My parents were working. Right. My... My mom didn't go to my college graduation because she was working. Shit. This year in May. Damn. So that's just outlines like the, you know the priorities, which is what like I was saying. Right. Like what, what, what's what's the priorities? Here? Right. Um, Did they have? Was there any sort of positive reaction on their part to that success? Like when you came home with these certificates? Yeah, but it seemed like I don't know. It didn't. It, it, it didn't seem real. Like. I, I kept a I kept a folder of all these certificates. It is like a blue, like see through plastic folder mm-hmm. that you can still see in my head. And we had like some sort of unofficial competition going on between me and my siblings. <laughs> um, me and my older sister was in school for longer, but I had like twice as many like, <laughs> like certificates as she did. And um, yeah, we like we supposed to keep them and store them, and like it's supposed to be like some sort of like proud achievement thing. But it never became anything that got celebrated or anything, right? Um, and it just became like a norm it's like cool you set a baseline now just keep it or keep right. pushing higher you, you know once you get like a, like a 4.0 it's like how much you, there's nowhere you can go right. you kind of just stay there so my parents were always like yeah like you know cool like they're like that's what you're supposed to do mm-hmm. um, to be successful mm-hmm. you know it wasn't like oh my god like you're killing like you're amazing like all these kids are like struggling and you're out here and I was like that's just what you do what was their level of education in El Salvador? My dad graduated high school, the equivalent of it over there, and my mom, maybe like third grade. Okay. And do you know if the equivalent of high school is eighth grade or twelfth? I think it's like eighth grade. Eighth grade. It's like eighth grade. Yeah. That's kind of normal. So, yeah, like, 
it, it was I don't know it was insane um, I'm my, I'm looking forward to starting therapy um, yeah twi- like, I want to do like twice a month and actually what's the, equi- or what's the insurance situation uh, Equinox covers mental health benefits but I don't think it kicks in until like next year right so I'm just gonna grind and just wait for that right but um I'm, I'm looking forward to it because I feel like there's a lot of things that I can uncover totally there. man like even right now I'm just thinking back a lot of these details that I have like I guess like sub, like pushed away yeah. from, for a purpose for a purpose yeah, yeah suppressed for, for a reason um but yeah like it's just been terrible and then fourth uh grade we moved then we moved somewhere to a different apartment complex moved from the house to an apartment complex and then now I went to this other school for fifth grade only called uh, what was this shit called wow I can see it in my head you know uh, oh, damn it it's next to Cool Spring Elementary do you know Cool Spring University Boulevard and Riggs Road uh-uh is it in DC it's on, no it's in Maryland it's like no. it's like Metzorot and Riggs Road it's next to uh, next to the Cool Spring Elementary School, but uh, yeah, I went to fifth grade at this school, and the school was pretty shit. Um, yeah, so it was interesting, like coming in as a, like a good student from the Mother Jones School to this school, because all the kids here didn't give a fuck about education. Mm-hmm. Um, this was the first time I ever saw. It's weed. crazy that you noticed the change, even as like what were you? Th- Five to eight at the first school, and then as an eight-year-old to ten-year-old, you know you can notice. Oh, wow, this is better than my five to eight-year-old experience. Yeah. And then your ten-year-old, you're like, oh shit, I'm back in the fucking yeah, back in the shit again. I was there, and, and we were living in this apartment complex, uh, and this is this is probably like probably like one of the worst years. Um, it was pretty bad, like. I don't know, like, the people that I was around, around, you know, didn't have certain priorities, and the energy rubs off. Um, kids were smoking weed in fifth grade. What? Uh, yeah, dude. Like, Fuck, man. They, they, yeah, smoking weed. I didn't smoke, but, like, that's just a thing that happened. Like, that's when I first saw weed, and I was like... Yeah. I was like, wait, what? I was like, this is real. Yeah, I mean, I guess... I guess, yeah, that's probably when I was first introduced to weed, but it's really not smoking in fifth grade. Damn, that's crazy. Yeah, so, you know, these kids were like... I don't know, here because they had to be, not because they wanted to be. They had no ambitions, no goals. They clearly were, like, just not raised correctly. Not saying I was, but I was at least told that I needed to be, do do good to not be a failure in life. You know, I guess that kind of motivated me. Mm -hmm. Um, And... And yeah, I mean, it was pretty shit. My dad got arrested for like six months out of that year for the DUI. Was he um, in jail for six months? Yeah. Fuck, for a DUI? Yeah. And we, no, the domestic violence. That's what it was. Oh, domestic sh- violence. He got charged and uh, put in jail. Your mom charged him? Yeah. Fuck. For like six months. And we, uh, we would go visit him. We would go to fucking... How uh, did he not get deported? That's crazy. Dude, because now you're talking... We would go Violent to... Crimes we would go to Upper Marlboro uh, Jail. What, I don't even remember what the fuck it is. I think it's like county jail or some shit. We would go visit him. Like... Like... that. Like It, it just... It, it sounds crazy, but like I remember it. We would go visit him. and then I, 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 At the time, you think he was crazy? He was like, no, it's going to visit dad in jail. It just is what it is, yeah. Like... You know, I didn't have to tell anybody, but like... Every, like, everyone's like, like, I haven't seen him in forever. I'm like, oh, yeah, he's just busy, like, you know, like, 
You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, and then, yeah. It, it's, that's when, that's when his, his shit fell apart. Because right. he was gone for so long, his company fell apart, the people he relied on to work fell apart, his opportunities fell apart, and things went pretty downhill from there. Um, then we moved back to a different apartment complex, and I was able to go back to Mother Jones for my sixth grade. Okay. Um, and again, the school was amazing. Like, I is was... This, is this not like middle school? Is there any transition from fifth to sixth at all? Uh, well, middle school started at seventh. Oh, okay. Yeah, so sixth grade, I finished out at Mother Jones. Um, and they would... Uh, they would take... They would teach three different math courses, which is why I knew they cared about education. Right. They would teach like a, a basic, you know, a intermediate, and then like an advanced one. And we would always have to either stay in your classroom or switch classrooms depending on which one you were fit in. And I would always have to go to, her name was Miss Thornton's classroom. She was the advanced one. Um, the one I classroom I was in was like the basic one, like my home teacher. He was teaching the basic math course. So we'd always do this switch thing, which I think is amazing. Like that way you're not holding one kid's back, but you're not also confusing the shit out of other kids. It's like that wasn't the case at the other school. No, fuck no. The other school had no like they didn't care. Like it, it didn't feel like they cared about education. Right. Like this school like is all about education. Like even the people they hire is so perfect. Like um yeah, so finished out of sixth grade super strong, like taking these hard math courses and shit like that. And I was like, dude, like this is amazing. Like and then uh then came middle school, which was Buck Lodge Middle School. Yeah. So seventh was this the theater from Mother Jones? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Seventh and eighth grade there. Uh it's pretty crazy. Like because now middle school is like hormones. Mm-hmm. It's like shit's raging. Um, and not crazy for me, but seeing people get pregnant, seeing, like, you know, fucking people. Seventh and eighth grade, that's it? Yeah. Well, like, people making out in, like, random places and, like, people getting caught trying to have sex. It was, like, a crazy shit. So it's a separate school, seventh and eighth grade, and then you go to high school after yeah. that? Yeah. Separate high school? Okay. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. I like yeah. how they separate middle school just for really that purpose. I mean, like yeah. when these kids' hormones are developing, we just put them off in their own separate. Honestly, place. dude, yeah, like, no, it's what it yeah. is. So it was crazy. I mean, it was it was good. Uh, I was uh, I don't know. I really shined academically um, amidst all like I would say this school was like a middle. Like it wasn't like everyone cared about education, but it wasn't like a trash. And this school was like definitely like in the middle. Like seventh grade, like shined. Uh, eighth grade, same thing. I played for my sock for the soccer team there. Uh, I was a starter. It's the first time I ever played sports, like academically. And I think the most important thing that happened there was guidance counselor, eighth grade, came in during math class. I remember it during math class. I was, I know exactly where I was sitting because I can see the door. And she came in and she was like, there is this, because you know, we were all talking about like taking tests to apply to get into Roosevelt. Mm-hmm. which is a high school in Greenbelt, yep. which has, like, a very awesome science program. Um, and then there's other, like, Forestville, that's, like, the military school. Um, there's these schools you could apply to for different programs, kind of start to specialize your education. And then she came with this thing, like, like she was like, this school is just opening, and she called it middle college, and she was like, you can get an associate's degree. And in eighth grade, at, like, 14 years old, Sitting at 13, it was like 13, 12, 13 years old, sitting there, and I was like, this is like what my parents have been yelling to me about forever. Like, that's what crossed my mind. Wow. I was like, I was like, I've 
gotten all these achievements and all these whatever like and they were like they presented me with a college opportunity and I was like like this is it like all I have to do is test into it and it was the same exact test for Roosevelt and Roosevelt didn't accept me but this middle school college thing did and looking back I wanted Roosevelt to accept me because it was sort of like prestigious yeah it was prestigious exactly and you're like oh shit like you know I'm, I'm up there and, but they didn't accept me and I was like what the fuck and then this school right. accepted me and I was like fuck it like I guess I'll just like go check it out we went to like the ceremony or whatever these are like your options instead of just going straight to the whatever which was high, high school high school okay yeah the, the, the local was high point high school and my older sister because she's older right had already gone through that mm. and for her it wasn't like a good experience because um, I mean I guess everyone internalizes things differently like from home but for her she like found like a really bad group of people and like she ran away from home for like mm. a couple of years but while she was in like she was supposed to be in high school so she ran away from home for like a couple of years maybe three years oh this was when I was in wow. school in 8th grade right so would you see her at all no fuck did you know like she was alive did you I mean, contact I, with her I mean she would send was letters she, going to school? she would send letters to like my parents so like she was alive but like she wasn't going to school and she wasn't like she just wanted to do her own thing and my parents were like insanely protective over her because she was like the firstborn, um, and like she wasn't allowed to do anything. And I don't know, like, like I said, it was an internalization, I guess, of like trying to find family to fit in and trying to find something yeah. to belong to. Um, because because that, like, that didn't exist at home. Right. So to me, belonging to I guess like academic environment was my thing. To her, it was just like which is natural, like you know, like belonging to a group of people and like like she like she left like went to go like live with them forever like for it felt like forever it was like two three years and then uh she's a teenager yeah wow where in maryland we had yeah we had like she like my mom had like police like you know like they were like monitoring social media and like it was just like a thing wow yeah like, this is a thing and and i'm yeah so i'm sitting in middle school like that's like happening like, she's not at home and i'm like High point doesn't sound like the right place. <laughs> you know, like, it's just pretty kind of like, high point doesn't sound like the best place. Right. Um, and I was like, I, I, like, I was definitely considering other options. So this came around and I was like, I mean, yeah, why not? Like, you know, and then I got accepted. And uh, yeah, I mean, we had this whole like uh, auditorium ceremony thing we went to where they explained how everything worked. And uh, yeah, it was pretty crazy. Um, I mean, next thing I knew was doing a summer magnet program to after the school. Yeah, after eighth grade to go to that school. And then 13 years old, I was at fucking ninth grade on Prince George Community College campus. Oh, it was on the college campus? It was on Prince George Community College campus. Oh, shit. 13 years old. That's cool. Yeah. And the people there, like, were about it. Like, they knew, like, they were, like, we were kids, but they knew we were, like, pretty smart. So they knew, like, there was, like, immaturity, but they knew there was potential. Right. Right? Like, it's, it's like, a thin, like, line. Right. You have to kind of keep some people in line, you know, like, some things are just cool, some things aren't, you know. So it was a, it, it was fun. I mean, it was a hundred of us. That's it. We were broken up into four different cohorts, and, like, the teachers would come to us. Like, we would stay in the room. They would come to us. They would rotate. So you're with the same 25 people every day? All day? For the most part, yeah. And then the only class, college courses we took in the first year, I think, was, like, physical education. And they would, like, as a group, would line up and walk 
across the fucking campus. So everyone knew, like, yo, look, those are the 13-year-olds. Well, they do. You're 13. You look 13, right? <laughs> I mean, I had a beard. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had a full beard. I had a full beard. I got it I had <coughs> in eighth grade. So you legitimately could have passed for a kid at the community college. Yeah, probably. In eighth grade, uh, it came in, and I had, like, patches down here. Three patches. And I had no mustache. My mustache didn't come into, like, 10th grade, 11th grade. <laughs> it, was, it was insane. But, but yeah, I had a full beard. Um, was, so y'all were just, like, in a classroom at the community college. Yeah. And, it was, it was, and they were teaching all basic high school shit. Yeah. Geometry. Yeah. Or like, pre-calc. And, yeah. Biology. All that basic shit. You know, we took Chinese mandatory. We had okay. to. For the first two years of our education. Um, yeah. And, I mean, it was, since it was only 100 kids, like, we were all super close. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's, I would leave my house at like 7 a.m. and get back around like 6 p.m. How'd you get there? We would, so this is crazy. I would take my bus that would pick me up, pick the kids up from where we live, the apartment complex, to High Point High School. Okay. Then we would have to wait outside of the school, not inside. You can, we weren't allowed to wait inside. Wow. Um, because we weren't actual students right. in school. So when it was freezing cold, we had to wait outside for two for hours. Two hours you had to yeah. wait? For for the second bus to come pick us up. And You're then, just hanging out for two hours? Yeah. Every morning? Yeah. What? Yeah. Fuck! Yeah. So the second bus came to pick us up, and then... What are you doing? Like, homework? No, just talking, chilling, like, sitting around, you know, just... <laughs> wow. You know, whatever the fuck... 13 year olds do in right. two hours right. <laughs> um, yeah and I mean then the bus came to pick us up and then it rounded up kids from other schools which did the same thing and then it took all of us to the Prince George Community College campus wow yeah so that was like a very full like our classes started at 9am right right but we were awake since like fucking six <laughs> right so that was the thing and then we have our six hour day so it's like what 9 to 1 9 to 2 whatever the fuck it is uh, it was like 93 I think yeah 93 exactly and then we had our buses that would then take us home another hour and a half so I will go home like 5 530 um, did, did you do that for four years? three cool. last year I drove illegally but I drove okay <laughs> um, uh, yeah I mean I don't remember honestly it's like kind of a haze but I do remember staying up insanely late doing uh, math homework uh, writing papers uh you know, all that shit. Like, I had no social life outside of the school. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I did that for, like, two years, 10th grade. It was same shit. 11th grade was kind of a lot of the same shit. And I mean, all those details, like, I don't know. Like, professors, t- teachers switch. Um, you get into college courses. Some are, like, professors are better than others. Uh, you're trying to understand how this whole college process works. Um, yeah, and I mean, did it, like, every year it was like, you know, you, you had tons of support. So it was like, you should, there's never a time where you should be failing anything. But some kids did. Some kids failed. Some kids got kicked out because they were immature. Some kids, um, yeah, just didn't want to continue. They dropped out. Uh, things like that. Did you finish with an associate's degree at the end of the four years? Yeah. Oh, shit. So she's... General studies, associate's degree. So basically, like all your prereq courses, are right? Away. Um, yeah, and then in in twelfth grade, 
which is like last year we did all that, finished the college curriculum for associate's degree, high school curriculum for a high school diploma. Um, and it was crazy. I mean, we were the first graduating class. Of that program? Of that program, 2015. It's still going on today. That's a cool program. It's a great program. My and sister did something like that, but she had to commute. She had to... Yeah. I think she had to take some classes. I think she had to be at high school like two days a week or something. Uh, we had one. Well, the only thing we had was... I went to a great high school. Don't get me wrong. We had plenty of options. I just didn't take advantage of most of them, honestly. But we had like a professor from local community college come to our... Damn. For like the advanced like English people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'd show up like a little early, but we only had to come... I think we'd show up an hour early, but we only had to go two days a week or something like that. Nice. Uh, we had little shit like that in like AP classes. But that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So then you're applying to college as a sophomore or junior, Kinda. essentially? Yeah. So I, uh, as, much, as much help as these people were, a lot of the kids that were there um, came from families with money. Right. Families that had been established, you know, they already had college education, careers, and things like that. So I was definitely on like... The reason I found out later that the reason I was allowed in, or I guess like was a part of the program, was that fifty percent of the people were like insanely smart, and then fifty percent of the people were insanely broke. Mm, yeah, and I was in the middle. Right. You know, I was I wasn't like complete genius, but I was pretty smart. Did you was, not pick up on that like during um, the time? Not immediately, but then like I think like around tenth grade, I kind of picked up, and I was like, half you are poor, half you are geniuses. Yeah, because I was like, <laughs> half you guys are wearing like insane expensive clothing and it's like a regular thing half of us are kind of like what right. you know, like, <laughs> it's like this is this is a clear distinction you know because right. their parents were helping them with FAFSA their parents were helping right. them with college applications their parents were helping them with resumes their right. parents were doing all these things and I was like what they were like because the kids were like yo like what college are you applying to you know what are you mm-hmm. doing and I'm like the fuck are you guys talking about? Like, Dude, but that's like half the value of programs like that is for kids that are coming from a low socioeconomic background to like have an example of yeah. like, oh, this is how the game is played. Because that's a problem those in these poor schools and these yeah. schools I've worked in is like, these kids, it's not like they're not capable of doing it or they have no map of how to get there at all. They don't even know what the destination is that they're exactly. going to. Exactly. And so just little things like that, like what college are you applying to? Have you done your FAFSA? You know, poor kids are like, what? What are you talking about? Yeah. And then kids that, you know, grow up in the suburbs or parents in college education, it's just, yeah. they're, it's just the path that they're taught. Yeah. Yeah, man. The exposure, just the exposure of models of the, the way to do it, of how to play the game is so important. Yeah. I mean, I feel you. Like, that high school for, will forever set the course of my life. Um, it really kind of showed me like everything. It, it was a clear example of how my socioeconomic status was holding me back. It was broad as daylight, mm-hmm. and no one could argue any different. Being here, seeing what these kids were wearing, what these kids' products like laptops that they had, seeing you know how they perceived money, um, how they thought about education, because they were also very smart. They weren't mm-hmm. just like rich, spoiled kids. Mm-hmm. They were very smart, mm-hmm. and I was like wow like you're telling me I like you know I could be like I could have like commodities like that as well mm-hmm. you know it's not like one or the other it's like it really opened my mind up to these this world and I was like it's like wow like these kids are a product of their parents mm-hmm. 
which may be product of their parents, you know? So I, if anything, I am in, like I am three generations back in wherever mm-hmm. they, you know, are mm-hmm. currently. And I was like, okay, that means that I still have to do all this fucking yeah, like some work. Yeah, I have to do all this legwork. And I'm like, okay, fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was cool. Like high school was great. Uh, do you think you would have had that example though, that lesson that if it the, would have been that stark, <clears throat> the difference if you had gone to high point? Dude, I, I, I think so. Cause I pushed myself to levels that I had never even knew I was capable of at this school because it was the standard. And if I went to high point, I could have cruised through it and got amazing grades. Right. But like, what is the importance or like, what's the lesson that in life, right? Am I going to continue to cruise through life? Mm-hmm. Not with the socioeconomic status and the immigration status that I have. Mm-hmm. That's not going to be applicable. Um, so I'm glad that I was able to go to a program like this because it really showed me like, like all you guys are here now. You guys made it cool. Now work even harder. Mm-hmm. You know, like we had rankings like. Really? It's on our, scores? Yeah. On our report cards, we had rankings. Of the hundred of yeah. y'all. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You're used dude. to that. You can, that's like how does he put on Yeah. So we had rankings and I was like, all right, like this is, I can get with this. I can get with this. Do um, you like it at Equinox? The ranking system? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. honestly, it, it's, it's funny because. It serves its purpose. It serves its purpose. I, uh, I check it like every other day and I've been top, I've been fifth place for like the last couple of weeks. Um, so Rob's obviously first, but. Yulia? Uh, yeah, Yulia's up there. Davey's up there. Um, Charles was six last time I spoke to him. Um, Kayla. Kayla's like four. I think she's like one ahead of me. All right. And it's probably like Yulia and Davey. So Rob was first. So, so yeah, I mean, the rank, the ranking system definitely like is, is good for that purpose, but it's, it's purely egotistical. Yeah. Um, and like I said, you know, we had this discussion, like I said, like I understand that sometimes I dig into that and use that. But I feel like as long as I'm consciously aware of it and doesn't consume me, I, it, it, I'll be okay. Right. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, the, the school it was just, it was the craziest shit that I had ever seen in my life. Um, I really got set up and they really gave us, an, like they allowed us the opportunity to earn an associate's degree for free. So what are you thinking, like your senior year, high school's about to wrap up, what are you thinking your options are at that time? I mean, I need to apply to fucking college. Yeah. I applied to University of Maryland didn't hear back probably because I didn't submit my application correctly because I didn't know what the fuck I was doing they didn't like walk y'all through that the high school didn't walk y'all through that no dude they thought like most of us were like pretty capable right I mean like we were but like we just didn't know the in, the details about it it's also probably not like a faculty right there's not like there's a principal and a guidance counselor there is there on is. campus there yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah there is um, but it was just like that's not like, the, like we had like kind of like general workshops you know it's like they helped us learn how to pick our college courses and navigate that system because we were deciding our schedule basically for the last uh, year mm-hmm. being there as seniors. It's um, hard to assume all you are going to college, right? Yeah, and like that was, to me was very like new, like picking college courses, like go, figuring out like the times and scheduling. And so I was like, that kind of stressed me out. And I was like, mm-hmm. is this like what everyone does on a regular basis, on a semester basis? And like, you know, it's like, it's like a regular college thing. Mm-hmm. Picking your schedule, like, that's what you have to do. You don't just like show up and then you're right. given the curriculum, but that's like what I've been used to my entire life. Right. Now you get to select a curriculum. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah. And, um, I, I applied to University of Maryland. I never heard back. I definitely didn't submit my application correctly. I know that for sure. Cause 
I did it again and I got in. Um, and yeah, I applied to UMBC and like you didn't hear back like it's second semester. You still at all? Like I didn't hear uh, you're denied or, or or like. So at what point did you apply again? Well, I mean, like after. Okay, so this is like I'm saying, like when I graduated this like this year is my second application, but that was back in 2016. Right. So this no 2017. Right, but this is this is, is it like almost time like high school graduation. This 20, 2015. Yeah, 2015. I don't know like what I fucked up but I fucked up on something and I applied to UMBC they accepted me mm-hmm. um, at the time I was working at this uh, cafe restaurant place uh, in Tacoma which is uh, which was owned by the daughters of the people who own Mary House okay so what was that uh, place called Sharon and Bill Murphy uh, they're the owners of Mary House uh, the daughters that owned it were Caitlin and Megan Murphy and it was called Capital City Cheesecake okay um I was working there from like tenth grade onward, so I was like, no, it was like like nine, uh, yeah, tenth grade onward. So I was like thirteen, fourteen at the time. Um, they picked me up, and I was just like a buster, like just like a buster, and like I would just go like carry food to the tables and stuff. And that was like the first job on the books that I've had because uh-huh. I used to like work for my dad and things like that, uh, where you could just get paid cash, just like an extra set of hands, um, but. At that job, surrounded by those people, um, and it really, like, shaped me socially, because they told me things like, like, you have to speak like this, you know, you have to say these words, like, they basically were like, we can't be a robot anymore. Right. Because it's customer service. Interacting with customers, yeah. Yeah, and I would just be a robot, like, do this, cool, like, here, take, fucking take it, like, I don't care, like, there's no, like... Human element to it is more just like a robot, like doing tasks. And I just, You're think, a kid. dude, I think about it all the time, and I'm like, I used to be such a robot, and like, <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. But that's all I knew. Like, you know, I, I would. This, this is, this is like the level that I. So I would uh, go to school, right? Get back home around five. This place calls like around maybe eight or nine. I would hop on my bike and bike for thirty minutes from Langley Park to Tacoma Park, which is where it was at now. I'm actually living right down the street from it now. It's not like open anymore, but that property. Um, I would bike 30 minutes there, work my shift, then bike back home 30 minutes, then spend two, three hours doing homework and do it all over again. Dude, high school is crazy. I was talking to someone about this recently. If you're... Like, schedules in high school can be crazy. Because what, you got up at six, you said? Yeah. So you're just grinding from six to like eleven, ten. Yeah, my school had no sports or no extracurricular. <laughs> yeah, that was my thing. Would be you know school at eight till like almost four. Then you have extracurricular practice. Yeah, till like by the time you got there seven, you had to go home and do homework till nine. 10. Exactly. Squeezing dinner, shower. Yeah. What the fuck is this? Fourteen, fifteen. It's a fucking like. It's a it's employee crazy. harboring business. It is. It is. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's that's just, the busiest time of my life. I think about it like that yeah. was the most consistently busy I was. Like cumulative hours, just like yeah. on yeah. high school. Yeah, it's crazy. Anyway, okay, and so yeah, so I applied to UMBC, got accepted. I was working at this restaurant, right? So there was a couple people there that were like doing finishing up their bachelor's programs at UMBC. So they kind of helped me with like with the details and things of that nature, um, and I uh, 
I went to UMBC. I declared my major as computer engineering because I like computers. I like science, and I like. I used to, for a side hustle, repair computers and cell phones. Oh shit! So I would like take them apart and put them together. Okay. And, like, all the like switch pieces out and things like that. So I was like, like I feel pretty comfortable with this technology and these things. And I was like, I would love to learn like deeper like how they're created and you know then go from there so I did all that stuff but I was uh, too broke to live on campus so I had to commute was it UMBC? UMBC Baltimore County so I would drive from Langley Park to UMBC uh, which is like an hour and some change drive there and back every Monday through Friday and then Saturday and Sundays I would stay at home and I'm still working Um, so my days Began at like 6 a.m. and ended at like probably like 10 p.m. The same schedule as high school, basically. 11. Yeah, it was insane. But now I'm older and a lot more freedom. And we're doing these courses and these curriculums. Uh, this is like, this is fucking cause. Like, this is real shit, not compared to where I was coming from. And I think I was on some sort of high because I was able to finish that. And it was doable, right? It was never the time I was like struggling. And I was like, wow, like this shit is like for me. Went into UMBC, like, you know, I was like, oh, I'm about to fucking murder this shit. <laughs> yeah, dude. Failed every single one of my courses. Oh, shit. I was lined up for a full semester, five, six courses. Failed every single one. I didn't know that I needed to pay. I thought, like, it, I don't know, stupid child. Like, I just thought that, like, you would pay when you finish school. I didn't know that, like, you'd have to pay in order for you to continue a semester. I didn't know about about like late camp like late dropping classes and fees and I didn't think about paying for my food or gas or so life became very very real like I was used to paying for gas and stuff because I had my own car but like when you're traveling like at that like level I don't know it's just crazy it's a lot of shit it's a lot of variables I was working a lot um, didn't have any time to myself any time to socialize I honestly was just like surviving um, and the crazy shit is I dropped out like three quarters through the semester like there was no official like I didn't like officially cancel anything or do anything I just stopped going stop showing up I just stopped showing up yep. that's all I knew like I because I, I struggled with it for a very long time after midterms passed like I was like right, I'm gonna give myself this one last chance and I worked my ass off through midterms and I failed everything and I was like dude like you can continue to stress out. You're going to fail anyway. So just, I'm like, I'm just going to give up. I'm just going to give up. What did you think the plan was then? Yeah. And then the thing was, <laughs> I, I was staying home a lot more and my parents were like, like, what's like, like, what are you doing? And I was like, Oh, like, you know, my class is just like, like, uh, like uh, on vacation. I was like, I don't know. Like they're off. Oh, you just didn't tell them. Was, yeah. And then like, like once the semester finished, I like, I told them that I dropped out and I failed every one of my courses. And, it was a very hard thing to come to because I identi- identity-wise, being good at school was a big part of my identity. Yeah. That's all I had. Yeah. And for that to fall apart, it really, it really fucked me up. And th- I couldn't explain that to anyone, like, especially my parents. Like, you know, they don't understand what it's like. But it really fucked me up. Um, yeah, I was definitely depressed for like a year change. I lost all motivation. I didn't want to do anything with my life. Nothing mattered to me. Nothing meant anything. I would go to work and just, like, do it and just, like, fucking 
wander through the day and like it was a very very bad time in my life this i was 17 18 mm-hmm. like, like this is young as fuck mm-hmm. um yeah so i was like i mean i was like all i can do is just fucking like just survive so i would go to work and make my money pay my shit like buy things that i wanted to buy and just live a very basic minimum wage life i'm making like thirty thousand like twenty five thousand dollars a year probably living with my parents and yeah i mean just kind of like letting time go by and i did that were you thinking like i'm gonna go back to school I, you're thinking you're just like i'm just like floating yeah i was like i have no idea what this, life right this was all there was no there was no plan b right it was pass everything in school be good at school or like fail and die and then like shit went like shit just everything broke apart like it was just terrible and then i was like I couldn't, my sleep was bad, my diet was shit, like, my, uh, my self-perception was trash, like, self-confidence, like, nothing, there was nothing, and I was just like, dude, like, this, like, I just didn't have any sort of, like, anything, I can't even explain it, like, now it seems so weird, because I wake up, and there's just, like, ambition and fire within me that I want to do shit and Mm -hmm. get shit done, but that really, like, which is why I, I'm, I, I like can confidently call it depression because it really like turned everything off mm-hmm. for me like internally. There was no motivation to do anything in life, and um, I mean I'm thankful that I, I was working a lot uh, at that place specifically because you know there were like the 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 sisters of the people you know that that uh, gave our family housing so like they knew me they knew like my family. Um, my younger sister ended up working there. My older sister ended up working there. My mom ended up working there. So, like, it was, like, very family-based. And, you know, they were, like, like they, like, sat me down. And was, like, like what's wrong? Like, what the, like, you know, like, what are you going to do? And then I was just, like, I don't know. Like, I just don't want to do, like, I just, like, like, I have no motivation. Like, everything is just gone. Like, that that's what all I identified as. And now it's nothing. And, and then, yeah, they were, like, like, you have to do something with your life. Like, you have to, like, want something. And I'm, like, dude, like. Like, it's just nothing like so I was like that for like a year a year and some change and then uh I got bored <laughs> you know like <laughs> yeah I was like I was drinking a lot uh smoking weed um you know just doing things kind of just like hang out that, that's you're doing your free time yeah I mean that's what I was doing then you hang out with people from like high school or oh from that job actually okay. yeah um like you know because they were older so you just go, like, go drink and you smoke weed, hang out, relax. Um, and then, like, yeah, around the time, uh, you know, I would always watch my, my, my peers, both from the uh, school, the, the, the high school that I graduated from, right? So I was 17 when I graduated. So at 19, some of them, like, had committed and gone all the way through, you know, because they had the support system, the resources, the understanding, whatever. At 19, they had got their bachelor's, and then I was here working, and I was like, what am I doing with my life? Mm-hmm. And now you can see, like, what could have been. <laughs> yeah, and I was 19, and I was like, I was like, you, I wasted two years of my life. Like, I could have had a bachelor's. But at that point, having a bachelor's meant more than, like, having the knowledge. Right. So I'm glad I didn't actually go through with it, because it wasn't about, like, learning or improving in life. It was more just about getting a piece of paper. Right. Which is, like a terrible reason to go to fucking college so those two years passed and in those two years after the first year of extreme depression I came to a realization I was like I can either wallow in this or like f- figure some shit out and then my motivation became the gym 
I'm going to wake up every day at 4 in the morning, get ready at four by 4.30 a.m., leave my house at 4.30 a.m. to get to the gym at 5 a.m. I did that for an entire year. Um, I, I put myself to sleep at 9 p, at 9.30 p.m. every night so that I could make that happen. And that just became something in, in that I wanted. How did you get into that? Um, I was always into, I was from? always into like working out so like eighth grade and gym okay. and stuff. Uh, go to like Planet Fitness, you know, here and there, like bullshit. But then uh, I was working with this uh, one guy in Laurel, and I forgot what we were doing. I think we were doing like a carpet or some sort of flooring. I don't remember. But he took me to LA Fitness. He gave me a two week free guest pass, mm-hmm. and when I got in there. It was like changed my life because they had barbells, free weights, um, lots of different machines, and I had never seen this stuff equipment because I had been so used to Planet Fitness, um, and I was like, "Wow, like this is a whole new world." And that I think to me sparked something. I was like, "I want like, like to get like I just want to do like get familiar with all this stuff." Um, so for that entire next year, I just worked out, worked out. I, I read tons tons and tons of self-help books like it's fucking like this is all I could think about doing like, like what's tons tens dude like probably 20, 100 30 like like I would fucking like uh, uh, read books on like like there's like SoundCloud sometimes or like there's different like apps and actual like try to find like PDFs and things like that um, and books are speaking about these concepts that at fucking 19 I had no idea like self-awareness or like boundaries like boundaries is a huge one like the fuck at 19 you don't understand what boundaries are that you just became a legal person like everything you know your whole entire life everyone else has set boundaries for you now you're responsible for setting for yourself Uh, a lot of spiritual like spirituality books then the sense of like religion but more so like believing in a higher purpose and a higher being and i guess i just like to call it like Mm self-evolution um not everything that i read or thought about stuck but enough of it did <clears throat> made a big difference and I was like okay this self education process has been awesome I need some more structure so then I thought about going back to Maryland and I thought about applying and I looked at some majors and um, and yeah I mean I was going to do biology and then this girl that I used to date in high school saw that I was going to do biology because I think I posted on Instagram or some shit like that and she was like you should check out kinesiology I was like Okay, it's interesting. Never heard of that. Checked it out. And this is a whole bunch of human movement, anatomy, and science and shit. And I was like, yo, this is the shit that Damn, I Damn, shout out to that girl. That was Yeah, nice. I know. It was like crazy. Like, I hadn't talked to her in like two, three years. And she just, because she had friends. She went to Maryland. She was going to Maryland at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, she had friends that were in kinesiology. So she knew what it was about. And then, like, you know, I was always like posting on Instagram, kind of like my thing about the gym and just being like physically active and tying that to mental health and all that stuff. She was like, you should look into this. And I was like, wow. Like, so then, yeah, like big props to her. Um, I, I switched my major, like after I had declared it like two weeks later. And then, then yeah, I mean, I'm, I, uh, the summer before I started that school, I was still working at the cafe and I, I was still living with my parents and I knew that I wasn't going to be able to graduate, uh, UMD if I stayed to live with my parents because it was like seven of us in a two bedroom apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom, my dad, me, my younger sister, older sister, my older sister, and like her two kids, and like her boyfriend. Um, Damn, dude, in a two bedroom apartment. 
That's so impossible. People like living in the living rooms. And yeah, I mean living room. Yeah, and I mean like that's like that's the kind of living situation that I've been with familiar my entire life. To me, that was just normal. Falling asleep and like loud yelling and screaming—that was just normal to me. With the TV on, lights on, that was just normal. Like, didn't bother me. So, I but I knew that I didn't have enough space, uh, time, or like there wasn't enough. Like I couldn't, I couldn't do homework and deal with all this shit because it was a very toxic household. So, nonetheless, mm-hmm. um, so I asked, I asked the sisters if that owned the cafe if I should talk to the parents about moving back into Mary House or like living in Mary House. You know, I thought they were going to put me in like this DC like housing unit that they have. You know, uh, for like uh, AmeriCorps people that would just come and like volunteer and go because it's a nonprofit, mm-hmm. so they just uh, provide subsidized housing and you know they uh, they kind of just provide some sort of stability for people like immigrant families mainly. And I was like, are they going to put me in this house that uh, I had been going to go drink and smoke weed at <laughs> with these other people that were working at the same restaurant but that lived in that building mm-hmm. so they lived in Mary House and were also working at this restaurant mm-hmm. so I was like okay like this is where I'm going to be living at in DC I was like I'm going to have to learn how to use the metro I'm going to have to learn how to do all this bullshit and uh, you know go to University of Maryland I had like looked up travel times I'd already like started like think like, plan thing out like shit out because I hate getting caught off guard like I'm good at improvising but I'd rather I'd rather not right. like I'd rather reduce the chance of risk when right. I can and I asked her. I I thought about it for fucking three months. I, it took me three months to build up the courage to even ask for her to allow me to live in Mary House, because for me, asking people for help was a sign of weakness. Right. Because one, because there's no one I could ask for help in my family. So even if I wanted to, it wasn't a thing. And two, um, in my opinion, everyone that asked me for help couldn't do it on their own. Right. And then I was like. They're asking me for help because they can't do it. So if I'm asking someone for help, it means I can't do it. And I had to actually, like, come to terms with that. Like, like mentally, like, I can't do it in this environment. I need the help. Like, you know, it's bigger than just me. So I asked uh, Sharon Murphy, that she's the owner, and um, I went over to her house because her house is, like, literally, like, right, like, by four blocks, like, four houses down from the restaurant. And I went to go talk to her, and I was like, look, like, I want to, like, move out of my parents' house, go into Mary House, and I was like, I just, uh, I just need time, I just need space, and like, you know, to do my homework, and like, you know, it was, it was crazy, and it was really like, humbling, which is good, I like it, but, it was a lot, like, it required me to grow, like, uh, as a person. Yeah? Yeah, like, kind of set my ego aside. Yeah. And that was, that was very hard, um, and I did it, and then she was she was like, "Yeah, I'll like think about it." And then like she talked to me like two days later, and she offered me to live in her basement, the entire basement, which has its own bathroom, its own kitchen, its own bedroom, fucking living room. There's a pool table, a huge TV in it. She was like, "You can just live down here." And then I was like, "Free?" Yeah. Whoa. I was like, "What?" I was like, "I I, I like was like wait, I thought like you were gonna put me." Over. She was like, "No, like." She was like, you're like family. And I was like, whoa. And then, yeah, they put me down there. And I moved in maybe like two months before school started. So I was August, moved in like wow. July, July. And I was working at the restaurant, which was like four blocks, like four houses now. So I literally just walked like less than perfect. two minutes. It was perfect. And I was there for like 
a year and it was so weird because they were so nice and they were so like helpful and they like they treated me like family and I didn't understand why like I really didn't because even my own family didn't treat me that well and I was like what like I don't get it like it makes mm-hmm. no sense I, I I remember to this day uh, crying when she told me that I could live there because it was gonna be the first time that I had my own room right and it, it, it was this crazy experience I went I went down there and like they said all the furniture set up and shit and I went down there and I was like I'm gonna have my own space like there's literally no one there and it was the crazy <laughs> shit that I, it was unimaginable like to me that wasn't it was a whole new world right like the whole the first three months sleeping there was insane it was so crazy I was like why is it like, it's like so dark and so quiet and nowadays it's like that's what it's supposed to be like right but I was just sleeping and I was like this is insane like this is crazy like and I had wanted to move out before then like a, a year ago I was moving with a friend from high school and I told my mom that I wanted to move out and she was like not with it um, but I wasn't doing it for like college or anything I was just doing it just because I don't want to live there anymore right but this second time around I told her again and I was like this is like this is going to happen because it's for school Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't like as much as like they may not be happy about it. It's better for everyone in the long run. And it was because the fact that I moved out meant that my younger sister could move out. Like you know, when it came to that time, she didn't feel like she was trapped in there. Right. She had an example. Yeah, exactly. So I yeah I moved out. It was crazy living on my own. Ate like shit because that's what a fucking. 19 year old does when you just mm-hmm. give them a um, I mean they helped me out so much like, I can't even begin to explain but the fact That's that amazing the fact that, that they place. they gave my family housing all the way up until I was like uh, what like 9 and then we kind of lost touch for like 5 7 years and then I ended up working there just for them to give me housing again in 2016 mm-hmm. like what if I had never met them when we came to the country right like yeah you know and it's, it's like a, a lot of the things like that kind of made me realize like there's something there's something I don't know what it is but there's some sort of like higher like purpose or being or something spiritual like there's some something like there's something more than what meets the eye because mm-hmm. logically this doesn't make sense like why did I just happen to meet these people then happen to work at the restaurant just so that I can connect with them, just so I could then have my own space to go to college, so I can, can graduate. And it's like everything lined up so perfectly. Um, Something bigger at play here. Yeah, and that's just I still believe that to this day. Like even with Equinox, I met Sean at at a college fair, at a career fair at college that I kind of didn't even want to go to. And then another friend of mine was going. She was like, "You should come." And I was like, "You know what? Like, fuck it. I'll go. Like, what's the worst that could happen?" And I went, got his card, kept it in my car for like two months, and then this was like April, May, June. I think probably they don't like June. Okay. Not like maybe year, like right? May, yeah, maybe like late May. Yeah, like late May. That's when I graduated. He was like, because he was like just like you know hit me up when you graduate, and I, and late May I emailed him, and then he was like, yeah, we can try an interview for like next week or some shit like that, and then like. After my interview, like two weeks later, we were doing EFTI. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you see, what I'm saying like that. Like, 
the way these things unfold is is so insane, and I, I don't uh, I don't understand why. Like sometimes you know, like so I'm always like taking every opportunity that I have because things always I firmly believe that things always work out in the end. I have no scientific data or reasoning to back that up, but I know for sure that everyone is placed in challenges that they are meant to be able to handle. There is not a doubt in my mind that every struggle everyone is currently facing is for the purpose of self-growth or realization or for a greater purpose in the world. I, I don't think that shit happens just to happen. What's the, your, is there anything underlying that belief, like a religious belief? What's the basis for my own for anecdotal experience? Okay. Just your experience in life. That's it. Like there's, there's nothing. I, I, I don't believe in the uh, personification of God. I don't believe that it was a white man or I don't believe it was like whatever you can imagine. I don't believe that it can be visualized or pictured. But based on the experiences you have, you believe there's something bigger I believe there's bigger something bigger going on. There's no, like the statistically speaking, the chances of all these things panning out this perfectly are damn near impossible. Okay. And like that's just truth. Like the amount of ways things could have went left, like I could have got kidnapped on my way to this country and been, <laughs> a, a, like I said, like a, a victim of child trafficking, like a child trafficking, right? Been sold to fucking different countries and but I've never like seen anything and the fact that that didn't happen, the fact that I connected with these people, the fact that these people then like came full circle to help me again, like things are rolling out, things are happening and it, it's almost too perfect. So that, that kind of like motivates me and yeah. like, you know, like I clearly need to keep on the path because something like this path is leading somewhere I don't know where but it's leading somewhere where do you have any idea where it would lead do you feel like you're in control of this car you're driving down the path would you have to steer it in a yeah, certain it's direction both. it's or? both it's both like you're, I'm presented with opportunities like you know left and right and you're like okay which one do you want to pick and I'm like you know I kind of like I don't know uh, it depends, but like for example, the the fifteen sixteen hour a dollar job, whatever the other opportunity that I was talking about, was at, a, was at a physical therapy office, yeah. Okay, yeah. And they wanted originally they wanted me to uh, be a personal trainer for the clinic because a lot of the patients that got discharged weren't ready to go to like a regular gym. Mm-hmm. They were discharged; they weren't in pain anymore, but functionally, capably, they weren't ready yet to go train at a regular gym. So I was supposed to bridge that gap with the assistance of therapists who were who had been working with them forever. I was going to manage this, create this, and be like like the head of this thing. And, and they ended up not wanting to move forward with it. So they offered me this other position. And I was like, do I do this? That I know these people, I'm secure and safe. Or do I attempt to get a career to Equinox, whatever that means. Like, And I was like... I looked up at Equinox and I looked up like how much membership costs and it was like $200 and I was like, hmm, I was like, that's pretty steep. I was like, okay, it's it's clearly expensive, it's clearly bougie. I was like, I was like, dude, like, I hated working in the physical therapy office. I I quit. This is the first job I ever quit from. Were you working at it during, in school? Yeah. Okay. I I had, had, because the restaurant closed down, I forgot to say, the restaurant closed down. Um, March of was it 20, was it this year? Yeah, it was this year. They closed down February, March of this year. 
Okay. And I had to find another job. And then I was doing kinesiology and everyone was like, oh, physical therapy, physical therapy. Like, that's what we do. Like, I was like, all right, cool. Like, we go work at an office. Worked at an office, minimum wage. And I hated everything. Like, it was cool for, like, the first month when I was learning everything, the exercises, the the scope, the the ideas behind the practice and kind of, like, what they did and how everything was managed. And I was like, that's, like, fascinating. Then after a month, after, like, shit stop being new and became repetitive right. I was bored out of my fucking mind and I hated it I literally fucking hated it to the point where I quit and I had never quit ever in my life and I quit and I was like if I quit now I'm gonna I'm gonna still graduate college but because I'm gonna be living off my credit cards right and I was like am I willing to live off my credit cards and stop working at the job that I hate so much but then also allow myself more time and freedom to get better at school and then I was like I don't think that I can put a price on that and I was like yes I'll do it so that's why I have all the credit card debt because your last few months of college you were I, didn't, I wasn't working right and then it's crazy because to me that's like a you know I don't even know how to just, like that, that's like a like a like a like a plus like a like a benefit it's like a it's something that's not normal basically is what I'm saying for other kids like they don't work at all while they go through school to, yeah. through college they don't work and so the last year the last semester the last like semester and a half from like March to May I was able to uh, no from like, from like February to May or whatever mm-hmm. uh, I was able to like expand socially like actually hang out with people uh, you know do college shit like going getting drunk on certain days uh, staying sticking around doing homework late like I was able to do so many things because I wasn't working at this shit job mm-hmm. that I have no regrets of quitting because I hated it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like, go back to that, you know, for a higher amount of money. Now from 12 to 16, which I was like, mm-hmm. oh, 16 is like, that's going to be the most I've ever made in my life. Mm-hmm. Or like, delve into this entire brand new thing, which could be amazing and phenomenal. And I was like, fuck it, do this. Because I was also wanting to do personal training. Now, I've been in the gym forever and I was like I could definitely do this shit like I had my certification already before I even you met. did? yeah why'd you decide to get your it was more of just like a, a challenge okay yeah I was like can I do this shit I'm gonna go take the test and I was like I took the te- I finished the test in like 10-15 minutes and it was supposed to be for like an hour two hour long like test and I was like is this fucking it? I was like this is this is this is what you allow people to train I was like what? I was like yo this is some <laughs> bullshit <laughs> so, did you ever think you'd be a personal? No, did you take I didn't it think I was like, no. no, I took it and I was like, that's like I just wanted just to do it. Challenge. Yeah, and like people around me had were getting it, and I was like, oh, that's you're so still going to the gym regularly. All yeah, I was still going to the gym, and I was like, yo, like I want to do that shit. Like that sounds like so much fun, you know? It was like an extra like online course module thing. It was like an extra like course, and it was like that's so much fun. And I put, I paid it with my credit card, seven hundred dollars for the uh, CPT with no plans of actually like using it for the terms of like employment and, I, and after I finished it I was like okay cool I have it now like I was like but I'm not like ready to be a personal trainer yet like I know there's areas that I need to work or improve on and that's like a common theme in my life where it's like I'm not ready for it yet like you know I wasn't ready to go back to the University of Maryland I wasn't ready to move out I wasn't ready to and honestly, all it is is just me holding myself back because things aren't perfect, right. in my opinion. But there never is a perfect. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I do that all the time as well. Yeah. I think we all do. So 
Did you feel like you were ready to be a personal trainer when you took the Equinox job? Do you feel like you're ready to be a personal trainer now? Um, when I applied to Equinox, I think I was, I think during the EFTI, I think EFTI in the summer solidified my belief that I could be an amazing personal trainer. Okay. Because a lot of the curriculum, a lot of the things we discussed to me is like second nature. It's like, boom, like, you know, it's like, these are the principles of programming. I'm like, this fucking makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like, this is very like, like natural to me. I wasn't like struggling to wrap my head around any of these concepts and plus with the education I just received from University of Maryland I was like I can take these concepts you guys are showing me and take them to a bre- another level mm-hmm. and a level of specificity and detail that for some people is, is like not even doesn't exist mm-hmm. so I was like yeah like this can definitely work but I knew for sure like the one thing I knew at the beginning of this was I needed to grow as a character like I say character specifically because I mean like qualities like what about me is going to like draw people to me like because I could have easily remained a robot mm-hmm. but no, like you know I would have people that I worked with would have been amazing but then nobody people that I didn't work with wouldn't have known about mm-hmm. me so it was like I have to find my niche I have to find a space where I'm comfortable and I have to find what describes me what I want to be and like you know all that stuff so it was kind of like a I was studying. I was over all those months. I was studying all the people. I was like all you guys. I was studying uh, all the professors and teachers we had, master instructors. I was studying Josh. I was studying Rachel. I was studying Sean, and I was analyzing all the characteristics and traits that they exhibited, and the responsibilities and positions that they held, and that really kind of like allowed me to kind of get into it because I knew that. I, I lacked personality, right? Not, I don't even know if I have or don't, but I just lacked the ability to express myself and kind of be human and have those human relationships because it's not something that I practice. I don't mm-hmm. give a fuck about that. You you're know? also 22. I mean, this is your yeah. freshman in college. You're a kid still. Yeah. So I, you know, I studied all. You these... carry yourself in a very mature way. You don't. You carry yourself like Thank you. far beyond <laughs> mature beyond 22, but. It's it's you all kind of feel that way. Studying these people, right? Um, so I studied Josh. You know, I studied every word that came out of his mouth. And I'm serious. Like when I say this, like his word choices, the way he moved, the way he spoke, the way he looked at people, the way he made people feel, and kind of all that stuff. And I soaked it up because and Rachel got introduced to us like way back, like later. So I, mm. I didn't really know about her, but Josh, like you know, it was stay there and like just soak it all up because I was like if I'm going to be successful in this I need to have the personality that allows you to be to that level because there's like they said before there's trainers that have no fucking clue what they're doing but because they're amazing people to be around and fun and whatever like they have good relationships with these people they'll pay them a whole bunch of money mm-hmm. and I'm like that is very true I may not have that level of a personality but I also have a ton of this education if I can just get a little bit of that Mix it with this, I can do something. Mm-hmm. And that was my plan the entire time. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what like I did. You feel like you're executing that plan? I think so. You're still only, it's crazy you're only two months into the job, really. Like, isn't it October, November? Yeah. That's it? Yeah. Do you feel, are you enjoying what's this process thus far? I'm enjoying it. It's always a growth process. Uh, some, uh, like, interesting, like, you know, I don't have a lot of the experience that many of the people there have, but, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm doing... I feel like I'm doing pretty good. Like, you are doing good. I was like... You're doing really good. A, a top five, you know, 22, fresh out of college, never trained before, 
got a certification just for the fun of it. Um, now working with all these people, you know, at a higher it's level. It's really top three because the top two are yeah grandfathered in from yeah previously. Yeah, yeah, you could say that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's like I said, everything's been crazy. Um, but yeah, so I, I moved out of my parents' house and my parents stayed living together for another when couple was that? of years. Yeah, yeah. So, 2017. And then my parents stayed together living for another couple of years. And um, once I graduated uh, UMD, I was able to get my mom to join the Mary House program as well. So she lives uh, down the street from me. And that's when like she like she moved out. My dad kind of also then had to move out because he wasn't even able to stay, paid the apartment complex on his own. So he was like, I'm going to go find somewhere else. And he lived, he lived in Beltsville. He still lives in Beltsville. Um, but he, uh, yeah, I mean, so my mom's been, li- my sister lived with her for a while and she moved in with her boyfriend. They live in Greenbelt. Um, also, fun fact, my sister is using my 2011 MacBook Pro that the high school gave me back in 2011 when I started ninth grade. I bought this for myself in 2016, 20, yeah, I'm on a credit card. And I paid it all off. It was like 70 bucks a month or something like that. I paid it off working at a physical therapy job that I hated. Um, but she's still using my 2011 one. So I went on Costco.com yesterday and they had MacBook Airs for $800. I bought one uh, and I'm going to give it to her. She's still using the 2011 one. And You're just going to give it to her? Yeah. Whoa, dude. Yeah. Just like a gift? Yeah. Wow. Why? Because I know how much having a lack of equipment and like like things like that can limit your success in school and make things so much harder. This is your younger sister? Yeah. Like she's uh she wants to do criminal justice major. She's wrapping up her associates at Prince George Community College. Um so then then she wants to move, yeah, into criminal justice, uh, probably here in DC. She wants to go to Howard. So I'm like, you need this even now because like her uh, like this laptop is just it's old it's shit it's yeah. 2011 like I, I, the reason I bought a new one is because it was shit yeah like I wouldn't have bought another one if it had been perfectly working right. you know so like the fact that she's still using it and I'm like yeah that's insane like, damn Jose what a good brother you are man dude but I, it's like you know it's crazy because I'm like the only reason and this is a big struggle that I've I, I, like something that I've realized for myself in my life is that I am very compassionate when it comes to things that I understand, I understand that struggle that she's in because I've been mm-hmm. there. So it's like makes sense to me, but it's hard for me to be compassionate in situations or to people or things that I don't understand. And I'm working to be better at that because I want to be compassionate all the time, regardless of you explaining your situation or yourself to me, because that requires a ton of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Like if someone like comes to me and like look like can you just cut me some slack or whatever I'm like like why should I like you know like I don't know it's just like people shouldn't have to explain themselves to me to get compassion I feel like is what I want but that's not the reality of it um and it's 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 messed and that's I don't know I don't know where it stems from but it's messed with a lot of my relationships like I guess just like romantic like uh there was this girl I was talking to over the summer it ended very badly. <laughs> Not so in my tell us about it. Dude, I know. Uh, um, we were working at the same job. We were doing like this dog walking shit or whatever. Um, she was very intelligent. She's like my age. Uh, she's very intelligent. 
which is one of the main like main attractive features for me and like in women it's like if you're fucking if you're not a fucking retard like you, you can you can have something going like just don't be fucking retarded have some sort of common sense and to be able to like manage things you know be independent like you know like I like that shit so yeah it was cool uh, you know we started hanging out uh, we just like feeling each other uh, just came over like my place like a couple times because we do like parties and stuff like when <laughs> Bill and Sharon left we do like parties at the house mm-hmm. um, yeah so she came over a couple times you know we chill and uh, yeah I mean we, we're never like official but I definitely, uh, and this is another thing about me is I'm an extremist and I, I don't, sometimes I don't like it, but sometimes it's very good. Like when it comes to like work and goal accomplishing, it's amazing because I won't settle unless I've accomplished the goal. And that's a very good trait to have, very resilient. But for her, I debated for a while, like in a while, it was like probably a month or so. Like if I wanted to allow myself to be emotionally vulnerable or not. And she was super cool, like, uh, she was very uh, empathetic and understanding, and, yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna lie, like, I fucking, <laughs> I, I lost, like, I completely lost myself, like, once once I decided that, like, yeah, like, I was gonna allow myself to, like, actually feel this thing through, it, I lost myself, and, and I, I don't know necessarily, well, okay, so the main thing, the main thing was, she was like still dealing through working through old shit right my last relationship was back in 10th grade in high school on purpose like Mm -hmm. six years had gone by because I wanted to analyze and understand the reason why this shit didn't work out Mm -hmm. you know because I was like I don't want to perpetuate this thing if it's like some sort of it's the way I perceive it the way I understand things you know because we're all fucked up from my childhood Mm -hmm. so six years had gone by and then I was like yo like this girl is amazing like she's intelligent she's fucking gorgeous uh like she's very understanding we're able to have high level conversations and we just when we hung out it was so much fun like you know and we started hanging out like all the fucking time like you know we were never official but we eventually got to talking like about like relationship and stuff and she was like she isn't interested in like she wasn't interested in like a monogamous thing she wanted to be what's called like she called it like polyamorous. I had never heard of it until I, until her, but it's apparently it's like a thing. And I mean, I can see it fitting because uh, she's like, she's kind of very like uh, I, don't, I don't know, just like just like loving in general. Like there's nothing, there's no restrictions on her love, mm-hmm. which is like kind of fascinating to me um, that you can just exude that. Because to me, it's like. It's very like stored away. Mm-hmm. Like not how old is she? She's my age. She's like twenty two. Oh, okay. Yeah, but she she's went through some shit herself, and that was cool. You know, we all get to discuss all of our shit and our childhood traumas and stuff. It's so much fun. Um, but yeah, like we, yeah, I mean, like you're not down for that situation. We, yeah, I mean, I, I like, yeah, I'm not. <laughs> I'm like very. I don't want to say like antisocial, but my social battery is very like small. Like I can't maintain relationships with many people or many friends, many family. Like it's very difficult to keep up with a lot of people. And like, that's what she like wanted. And I was like, dude, like I can't like do that. But I was so invested at that point. Like 
I, by the time I found that out, I had already decided that I was invested in. I want. I like. I don't even know what. I just wanted. To, like. I don't know. I just really liked her. Um, I really liked her, and yeah. I mean, there was tons of like uh, romantic chemistry, sexual chemistry. Like we were very mentally attracted to each other, um, but it just fucking like that was the root of it. Um, and yeah, I just. Yeah, I mean, she just went downhill. Like, I, uh. This is fucking retarded. I told her that I loved her. That's not retarded. It is, though, because. There was no, like. Yeah, I don't know. It, there was no, like, plant. Like, I know it sounds crazy, but I didn't think it through. It just happened. It just happened. That's all supposed to happen. Dude, I know, but, like. As I said, like, I hate being caught off guard and everything. Like, it just happened. And it was, like, I don't know. I guess it wasn't a good week for her. Like, a lot of shit had been going down. And, like, the last thing she wanted was more stress. And that's kind of what that did was just apply more stress. Um, Yeah, I mean, once we, like, figured out that, like, we weren't going to date or, like, kind of thing, things became kind of weird and, like... Too much emotional pressure. There was just too much... Yeah, like, a lot of emotions had been, like, put out there. And now it's, like... Like, 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 I don't know. Like, so yeah, but it has it has reached that point. I mean, that I think that's yeah. It, honestly, I think it's always the best course. Open communication. There's a limit. Like, you don't want to be like emotionally vomiting all the time your feelings. But in that situation, if y'all been hanging out even irregularly but consistently, then uh, yeah, you need to let her know how you feel. She's got to know. Yeah, and but if she's not down, that's for that, why I felt, and like I did, and you know, we, uh, I don't know, but yeah, I mean, she, um, yeah, things went pretty left. Like, I hadn't cried in forever until like this summer. I cried a lot. Like, I, I was very hurt. I still kind of am. I think kind of forget about it because it's like it's a thing of the past. But um, we definitely don't communicate like as much as we used to or like hang out as much as we used to we're both super busy now but it's kind of like I don't know it's like you know shit just like yeah shit just is weird now um but yeah like I I don't know communication became very difficult uh, that situation became very difficult hanging out became very difficult like everything was just so like weird and difficult um and yeah and the all that went to shit the week before Equinox opened. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So, like, late September? Yeah. Okay. All that went to shit the week before Equinox opened. Um, the the entire... Like, after I told her I loved her, which was the weekend before Equinox opened, she was like... I don't know. Like, I think she just didn't know how to handle it or, like, just whatever. Like, there's a lot of shit going on. Like, she blocked me for a week. And, like... I had no idea what was going on. Like, you know, I, I we had been talking, hanging out forever, and it's all of a sudden it's like stops, and I was like, whoa, what the fuck? And I'm like asking myself, like, I'm telling myself, like, how could I be so stupid to actually believe that that she liked me or that like this was ever going to be a thing? You know, kind of like all these like self doubt things. Um, yeah, and then the Monday and the Tuesday, because we opened on like a Wednesday, right? Thursday, Thursday, something like that. Monday to Tuesday, I literally spent all day 
because I, I stopped, finished the job on like, I think Monday is my last day of the job. So like Tuesday and Wednesday, I literally spent all day in the house just crying. Right before the job started? Yeah. Fuck. Just crying. Like, that's just all I did. I Damn. Was, I was so, torn, like, yeah. Yeah, like, it, it really just fucked me up. Like, I was like, because I was like, how could I be so stupid? Like, after six years of emotionally, like, holding myself back, like, having this happen, and then it just go to shit, I was like, what the fuck? Right. Like, it's just, yeah. And I like to think that I'm over it, but I'm definitely not. You're definitely not over after two months. Dude, it's it's so, like, it's still there. It's going to take, <laughs> I'd probably say, six to 12. Yeah, I know. Yeah, dude, these are uh, painful lessons. I've been there probably five to seven times where it's like you think this is <laughs> something and you think this is headed in one direction and hopefully it ends up not heading that in that direction. And then, yeah, man, it's like having a best friend that just disappears. And that's the interesting part about romantic relationships and the unfortunate yeah. part of romantic relationships. It's a best friend... But when you and that best friend, for whatever reason, all of a sudden are not on the same page, you can no longer have your best friend. Yeah. It's it's bullshit. It's super it's painful. Fucked up. That yeah. would never happen with yeah, just right your romantic exactly. best friend. Like my best friend right now, among my best friends, the guy I live with, he's you know among my best friends, and uh, I can like it would take some sort of insane situation for us to reach a point where it's like, hey man, we're not going to hang out or talk anymore. Like, it would have to be something super serious, right? Not just, like, me telling him, hey, man, I want to let you know, like, I love you, bro. Like, you are one of my best friends I've ever had. I don't know if I've ever had a best friend as good as you. Yeah. And then him being like, whoa, man, I don't know. Like, I really like you a lot as a best friend, but I don't know if you're my favorite best friend ever. Like, that wouldn't end our relationship, right? Because romantic relationships are like that. And yeah. It's, fuck, man. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's, it seems very unfair. Uh, yeah, it was, but I mean, I, I took my time, cried a lot. Um, on the first like week here, it was insanely difficult because I was dealing with that stress and dealing with this whole new club stress. Like this is what I have been prepping for the entire summer. I had talked with her extensively about how I wanted to, like how my goals about this place, like. I was going to be, like, one of the youngest there. Like, I had no experience. It's all these people and all this money. And, you know, like, I had to get the full time because, like, that's that's one of the goals. It's it's crazy because I haven't even, like, told her that I hit full time. And I think it's a very big, like... Because I've been talking to her about it for, like, the last fucking two months. Right. Like, this is what I want. Like, this is a goal that I have. And I was, like... I thought it was going to take me until next year to do it. Mm-hmm. I had given myself this goal to the end of this year... And it happened way sooner. Two months, right? Yeah. Not even. And I can't share that. I can't share that with him. It's like... It's empty. So... You have to do it for yourself, man. I, I, I don't have any like comforting, comfort for you in that sense. I know exactly what you mean. I've done, yeah. I've, I know that exact feeling, dude, where like you've invested... Uh, it would be it a goal or an occurrence or... Uh, some sort of shared experience and it's tied up in uh, someone else or a relationship and then it occurs and you're experiencing it by yourself and it's like oh fuck what happened to the like 
the yeah. half of the investment in this yeah. pursuit or whatever. I know, I know exactly the feeling, man. You just have to. I don't know if this is. I'm still figuring these things out for myself, obviously. And I think we always are, but it's like I think. I don't want to say this in like a nihilistic way, but it's like you, your own self fulfillment. It always has to be the driving force. You have to be, and then I think. I don't think we ever get to a point like we're totally self-fulfilled and self-actualized. But I think we need to focus on making sure that we are good, we are fulfilled and satisfied first ourselves without anyone else. And then if we can hopefully reach some point of relative stability, then be able to share that with people we love. Yeah. Um, and then romantically, it's just, this is part of the growing process, right? You d- Especially 22, like this is where you learn yeah, like I know. how <laughs> intense love is. Like how potentially painful and like there's a soup, there's an upside, but there's a downside and you have to, you have to feel what you're feeling, what you've been feeling over the last two months to like truly appreciate it and like respect it for what it is. Yeah. And it's I, shitty fucking experience. I mean, I knew that going into it, I told myself, I was like, this is going to go one of two ways, either amazing or really shitty. And I was like, honestly, if it goes really shitty, I'll be okay with that. I'd be okay with the fact that I actually allowed myself to partake right. in this experience. Right. So I'm not like upset about it. You know, I'm like, it, it is what it is. This is the way it unraveled. But the one thing it did make me realize is that for my definition of love is just like no boundaries, mm-hmm. access to me, mm-hmm. which is kind of, which is not, which is like, it's kind of fucked up. But that's kind of, I think, because of. Well, just more recently, more, this is literally very recent, maybe like a week or so. What I've come to understand is that I feel like that's because that's how I was raised. Like the way I showed my parents that I cared about them was to place no boundaries of access to me as a person. That way I can help them in the most uh, efficient way. Right. But that meant I had no time to myself. Nothing was mine. Uh, like there was no ending of me and beginning of them. And when I begin to like, for example, in this relationship, like, when I decided I wanted to go all in, it was like, like all the boundaries were gone. Like, it was like, dude, like, dude, this is, <laughs> I don't, once again, I don't, I, I understand. I'm about to express a concept that I know to be an absolute truth of romantic relationships. I don't know exactly how to manifest this concept or navigate this concept, but it is just a law of romanticism. Dude, you can't, you once again, I don't want it to sound fucked up, but this, this is how it is. Especially when you're in like that dating, feeling out process, I think it's totally different once you've fully committed, your, you've both mutually committed yourself to like a life partnership, right? I think then you're crossing a bound where it's utter vulnerability perhaps. But dude, when you're in this like dating process, it's a fucking game, man. And as soon as either party knows that the opposite party is no longer, for lack of a better term, a challenge, very common that that party loses interest when you know you have them when you know it's not like work or a pursuit anymore it's so common it's like the psychological yeah. phenomenon that that other party loses interest i've been through that there's a girl here in dc who is a huge reason part of the reason i moved back here to dc six months ago and there's a big reason why i'm leaving now again because we're just not on the same page right now uh but our relationship over the past four or five years has just been this constant cycle back and forth of like, 
who, who the balls in whose court. Yeah. Like who's interested, whose interest yeah. is waning, and da, yeah. da, da, da. And so it sounds to me like, yeah, this kind of happened. You told, out of nowhere, you kind of opened yourself up totally yeah. to this girl, and she's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Like now I have him. Yeah. Like now my interest is now waned. And then on top of that, she's a, you know, she's a young kid at 22. Of course. Of course. And she now probably feels the emotional responsibility of you. Of yeah, love definitely. Too. So like I said, like, there's no hard feelings, but I learned that that's something that I do and I don't want to. Right. So that's why I know like therapy is definitely something I should go through with. Um, boundaries has become something that I've more recently, maybe like two or three days, started to become obsessed with and kind of just understanding where I draw the boundaries for like between me and work, me and people, me and family, me and like all that stuff. Because like you said, at the end of the day, like you're still your own person and you have to do things for yourself. But um, like living, I don't know, I don't know, like at, at some point, like biologically, you want to like have some sort of partnership or just not be alone because humans, we're social, we're social creatures. What, what do you envision, like, going forward? What first person, like, would you like to have a family, Dude, have kids I, at some point? Man, then this is the crazy shit because I told myself that I didn't want to get married. I didn't want to date. I didn't want to do anything, like, except just strictly accomplish my goals. And then this girl that came and completely flipped everything for me. So now, two months later, still in the aftermath. I And the thing is, I... I I'm, like, reverting back to that, which is, like, like I'm just going to stick to myself. Fuck it. Yeah. But I know that, like... If I don't fix this, it's gonna happen again. Yeah, you have to address it. Yeah. It's gonna flip everything on its like. It's gonna fuck every like. She literally came in and fucked everything up. Like right. the way I thought, perceived what I thought of myself, what I believed about myself, and not in a bad way, but in a kind of enlightening way. I'm like, right. yeah, you really like turned my entire what I thought the world was upside down. Right. And now I'm like, okay, like. I thought that was the case, but clearly wasn't. Like, right. you know, um, yeah. So I'm definitely working on that. Like, I'm gonna do therapy like when the year begins and I have that insurance. But that's one of the things that I want to work to, and I think uh, it's gonna be very healthy because I'm gonna be able to establish boundaries with my family. Right. Right yeah. now, they call me, they text me whenever. Like, are you like the adult of the family? What does that mean? Like, are you the most responsible, mature one? Yeah. Kind of the captain of yeah. the team. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever my mom needs me to do things like for her, like just like pay bills online, you know, she, like, yeah. she calls me. Um, whenever my older sister needs me to write up a letter or some sort of document for her, she calls me. Whenever my younger sister needs help with her papers and her things, she calls me. Whenever my dad needs help in whatever fucking fucked up situation he's in because he put <laughs> himself in, he calls me. Um, you know, so it's like I'm, I'm dealing with everybody else's shit, but it's not, it's not my shit to deal with. And right. I've never learned boundaries, you know, I never knew that I had the ability to put boundaries. Right. Because that's not something that you're taught. Right. You know, like, it's like, you just do whatever the fuck you're told and you, like, this house isn't yours, anything right. we buy you isn't yours, like, anything that's like fucking game, like, I'm mm-hmm. like, dude, this is crazy. Now I'm like 22, like, living kind of on my own and working at this job and I'm like, dude, like, I didn't... I didn't take a day off the first two weeks the club opened, right? Because if you don't set the boundaries, no one's going to set them for you. Like, Mm -hmm. no one's going to tell you, like, this is healthy. I literally was working 13 days straight, and Mm -hmm. I was dying. Mm -hmm. And I was like, dude, like, you can't keep this up. Like, you need to set a day off. And I only came out of the fact that it was necessary. Like, you know, it wasn't something that, like, 
it wasn't like I came in thinking like, okay, I'm going to take a day off because I need this for myself. Like, no, I was like, I need this to make this work. Like, if I, I was like, if I don't set this boundary, I'm going to crash and burn. Right. And that was my motivation behind setting the boundary. But I need to get better at life in terms of setting these boundaries. And I'm super young, so like setting boundaries now moving forward is going to be a lot easier than like becoming fucking 30, 40 and then trying to set boundaries in those people totally. that exist in your life. Like that's going to be a completely different like ball game. Yeah. So that's kind of become my interest as of late. But what do you think professionally? Like how long do you want to stick in this current gig roughly? And what would you like to do long term down the road? I think I'd probably be here two to five years. I think five years might be my max. Um, two probably the minimum. Um, I do want to hit tier three curriculum. That's going to be a piece of fucking cake. Um, I don't know. With that, maybe three plus when that comes around. Um, maybe master instructor. Um, and honestly, it all depends on the work to fulfillment to income ratio. Like, how much work is this? How fulfilling is this? How much am I getting paid? Because, like, just three great barometers right there. Yeah, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's going to be a lot of work and very fulfilling, but if I get paid nothing, then it's, yeah. like, not worth much. If it's a lot of work, it's not that fulfilling, but I get paid a ton, I'm not going to be wanted. I'm not going to want to do it for a while. Yeah. So it has to be all three. Like, yeah. it has to be a good, enough work to keep me stimulated. It has to be fulfilling, right? So that's something that doesn't just drain me, and it has to compensate me fairly well for me to want to continue to do it. So beyond this three to five year period would be potentially personal training what would you think do you, would you want to do you perceive yourself in health and wellness fitness I, I for, think I want to get a master's in exercise physiology okay so then along the same I think I go back to school okay. I think that, that's my longest term goal right now I don't have kind of any indication as to what life and I think I've, on purpose I've allowed myself to loosen up um, because I've missed out on lots of uh, experiences uh-huh. because I've been so tunnel visioned as to like goal setting and every time I hit these goals like every time I got, I got my bachelor's degree I didn't even like I wasn't even happy I wasn't even excited I wasn't like it wasn't like graduating high school graduating high school getting an associate degree to me was like on top of the fucking world I go to University of Maryland and graduate and like I murder these classes that are supposed to be the hardest classes you know ever like uh, like top of the top of the fucking class like um, and I'm doing this shit and it's all working out and I'm like I get it and I'm like I invested all this money and all this energy and time and effort and I, I fucking knocked it out of the park but like I get this and I'm holding it and I'm just like okay like what's next like there wasn't even a moment not a single moment that I felt content happy or satisfied and that's when I realized that I tend to sometimes allow my ego to take over because that was a very egotistical thing but it wasn't a bad thing like you know what I'm saying like worst case scenario I could be in debt with something that I don't even lo- enjoy learning about you know so it was like there's some sort of like control there still but the fact that I wasn't fulfilled at all just shows me that that was just a very egotistical move and I honestly was doing it because of all the challenges like I'm not a citizen I don't get FAFSA uh, I applied to a whole bunch of private uh, to bank loan. They didn't approve me because I'm not a citizen. Um, I can't fucking claim social security. Like I have to pay a fucking ton in taxes, and I can't claim these benefits. Like it was almost like me, yet like me like showing the fucking showing society. I don't know what who or what whatever. It's like look like you can continue to give me these boundaries and these challenges, but 
I can still do whatever I want when I want because that's how dedicated I am. And it was kind of just an expression of that, you know, and going through that and finishing that, seeing my peers in, in, you know, in college struggle with a lot of the things that to me was second nature. It was like, like things just flowing and just, like things just, I don't know, like moving. Like to me, it was like even more of a reason why I feel like I deserve a lot of the shit that many people have that I don't. At, at, at initially, I honestly felt like I had to earn it, but I feel like I've set the I've set the bar very high, and I now feel like I truly deserve. Like this is me kind of growing as a person and being able to voice my opinion and speak. Right, like this is not something that I've been I've done for my life ever. It's like me now, like at Equinox. I deserve this money. I deserve these opportunities. I deserve to be recognized. I deserve to be allowed to practice my skills and my knowledge. These are things that I deserve. And this is the first time in your life you're, yeah. you're having this feeling? first time. This is in the last two to three months? Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. And I'm like, I, like these are things that I deserve because no one is going to put in the work like I will. And I do believe that I deserve citizenship. It's not for anybody here to decide, but I... 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 I I firmly believe that I deserve it. Like, there is not a single thing in me that's like, I shouldn't have it. Yeah, that's just, I mean, that's preposterous. Like, it doesn't make sense. I feel like I've earned it. I feel like I've provided enough to society. I feel like I've impacted so many people. I, like, <laughs> I'm literally just waiting for someone to come to my house and just, like, give me yes. something. Like, I have no idea. Like, you passed the test. Yeah, like, you passed the life test. <laughs> Yeah, these preposterous. If there's any sort of like validation or verification that like you know you're a productive member of this society, this team, it's dude. It's the most frustrating fucking yeah like, institution structural existence thing there is in existence, in my opinion. The existence of borders between people. You happen to be born in this tiny patch of dirt, and so that determines. And in your case, such a small patch of dirt. Oh my god, like. You're within, the, more within the, you know, these imaginary boundaries and the uh, determines potentially your entire life outcome. The temporary protective status thing that I have at the moment got extended for another year, but they extended it, I think, with hopes of then canceling it. So they extended it, like, saying, like, all right, we're giving you guys another year to get your shit together so you can leave. Right. So when was the wait? So was this recent? Yeah, it was recent. So about, like, a month ago. Maybe, like... Yeah, like a month ago, they like put that out there. Um, it was set to expire this upcoming January, so it's moved for another year. And yeah, I mean, like I said, I have no idea what's going to change in this upcoming year. I don't know. I can't imagine getting citizenship, but I also wouldn't be surprised if it happens some way, some shape, or somehow. Because, like I said, I firmly believe that everything happens right when it needs to happen. Everything is like working out perfectly for me so I have no reason to feel anxious or scared that this isn't going to work out as well um, but I'm not stupid like worst case scenario I can no longer work at Equinox because it's it's a it's an organization that only hires people who have documentation I have to go back to working minimum wage jobs you have a social security number though right? I do but I, that like I don't have a like proof of residency or, or like right. I'm not legally allowed to work right right so 
Um, so yeah, so like I would just go back to them working. My original plan was just two minimum wage jobs, probably some sort of manual labor. You know, get might find the best thing. Dude, you have myself. to. If that ever came to that, you'd have to just keep doing what you're doing under the table. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not going to stop me. Like in terms of. Uh, Continuing to work towards my like, master's and things like that in terms of education and self-growth, but it would uh, just change the way that I would make it. Definitely makes it more less convenient. Yeah, but I mean, that that's like the, that's like the that's the pattern. That's the mm-hmm. theme here. It's like everything is just made more challenging. Um, and then I have one of two options: either stop wanting it or work harder. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to stop wanting what I want. Because my goals, like that's the one thing I identify as is a goal, a con- like goal setter, achiever. Like, like just currently this life, it's like I can set any goal and accomplish it, and that's just what I do. Like I told myself I want to be full time. It's what I, I I did it. I told myself I wanted to like graduate college and I did it I told myself I wanted to like do all these things and I just I've done it and time and time again I've proved myself and it's like I know that that's something I can do but it's like at what point like well she just stop being unreasonably difficult mm-hmm. like and there is no end in the near future like it's like I have to I have to fucking marry someone who's a citizen and I don't want to do that I really don't like sure like, if it comes to it, I'll, I mean, I guess I'll do it. But, but for now, like, with you, the goals that you have in line in both the short and medium term, if you keep putting one foot in front of the other, shit remains the status quo. There's nothing right now that's going to prevent you from accomplishing your goals. But there's this kind of looming threat always. Yeah. From things, things are set for, like, a whole other year, so that's more than enough time for me to pay back all my student debt, uh, credit card debt. Which is my main goal at the moment. Um, I want to get out of debt because um, debt is not good. <laughs> no, it's a prison in itself. <laughs> so I, you know, I want to get out of that. Um, so that's gonna happen. But then, like, my my just only concern is like I pay all that shit back. Great. Now I don't owe the banks or anything. But now I have no status. It's like, great, you finished paying them off. But now, it doesn't matter. You can't continue with your credit. You can't continue in, like, jobs and areas of employment that you would reap the benefits of your, like, you know, of your hard work. Yeah. Like, no, like, when I pull to a minimum wage job, I don't care that I have a bachelor's. Right. You have a bachelor's, great. Fucking go take the trash out, like... The whole reason I was in university in college is to fucking be able to work at a higher level mm-hmm. and think at a higher level. It's like I know that there's going to be some leeway when I go places. People are going to see what I'm capable of and able to do. But I've done that so many fucking times. I'm tired of that shit. Yeah, but you're building and going forward. It's not like there's not regression in this story. The only point where there's even regression wasn't regression. It was just stagnation was when that period school. right after high school. Yeah. Right? It's not like you're ever going backwards. So yeah, there's this like there's the possibility of things not going according to plan, but it's not it, realistically, dude. I couldn't possibly, even if there was some sort of immigration obstacle, I don't envision you going from highly successful at this, you know, in terms of the industry that you're in, kind of the 
the pinnacle of the industry, really, yeah. and you're highly successful in that in that position. Some sort of immigration hiccup is not going to like all of a sudden put you down to digging ditches. You're already establishing yourself within that field, within that realm, within that group of individuals. Yeah, I but think you're just going to continue to grow and develop skills and develop uh, like like you're raising your floor each step. Yeah, of the that, and then that's the plan. You know, I feel like you talk to enough people, you meet, you make enough connections. Sometimes those things come through. Um, but I always like to prepare for the worst case scenario. Yeah, you, and it kind of goes back to the girl thing, right? Like, you need... You can't rely on that. You can't... Just like you can't rely on the girl as, like, your sense of emotional fulfillment or yeah. whatever. <coughs> you really... <coughs> excuse me. At the end of the day, don't want to rely on even the possibilities of Equinox. And especially in your case, you know, it really does keep that vulnerability always there, the immigration thing. It's like, I can't always count on these external factors, even professionally. Like I need to constantly solidify myself. And it's crazy. I've told uh, I've told Jeff about it. Like Jeff, Megan, Nicole, Josh. You know, I kind of explain the situation to them so they know like what I'm working with. Not, I don't know if they care. You know, per se, like they're nice people, but it's like I I want them to understand my level of success with this context. Mm-hmm. Because it makes it that much more impressive. Yeah, but you, once again, did you can't count on that? I know you just have to. Understand I know, but that. I, it's like it, it's it's like some chip on my shoulder that I have to just show the world what I'm capable of. In and in conjunction with that, how challenging that has been to me. Right. It's like not for any purpose, not for any specific thing, but it's just a chip on my shoulder, something that I feel like I have to prove. Right. And it's not for anything. Right, but don't expect like a trophy. No, I know. I, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm not expecting anything, but I just, I just want I want awareness. I think that's what I want. Yeah, but think about the. I think listening to your story, it seems like the last time you had that desire would have been like getting the bachelor's degree. Yeah, it was. Yeah, to keep the chip on your shoulder to show people yeah. I can do this under this context. And then you got it, and you said there's like a feeling of emptiness. Yeah. So. I don't, no, I, I don't know. I'm not trying to give you advice, but it no, seems like dude, it has to come. The fulfillment has to be your own. No, I, it has I get to, it. You have to come to terms with it with yourself. It's part of the reason why I think I need therapy. Totally. I, I there's there's ways of thinking and understanding the world and approaching it that aren't the healthiest in the way that I think. Um, but it, as all as like, not that it's fucked up, but like as fucked up as all this shit has compiled, it's made me a damn good like I don't even know if a worker like whatever like it's made me like kind of this machine mm-hmm. and I don't want to I don't want to get away from it mm-hmm. I don't want to lose it because this skill that I've an ability that I've been able to develop for just r- relentlessly accomplishing and grinding and working hard for things that I truly care for is something that is I, I feel like it's kind of a superpower mm-hmm. I don't want to lose it you know, I, I don't want necessarily want like all the baggage and motivation and like I want to come to terms with all that stuff that created this, but I still want to be able to tap into that when I need to. Mm-hmm. It's like I almost have to like separate myself from this. I have to kind of create a second identity. Does that make, like, I have to separate myself from it so that I'm not it, but I, I can go to it if I need to. It being like the grind? It being, yeah, like this mentality and this, this ability for me to completely lose myself in something and have nothing else in the world matter besides right. this goal. Right. Like I can do that. And it's it's like kind of like 
which is why like I was willing to go into debt for my bachelor's degree you know uh-huh. it's kind of like harming sometimes uh-huh. not that I regret it but like it's it's very ruthless right in terms of people relationships money like what whatever I, I will if it's important enough to me I will sacrifice everything to accomplish this goal mm-hmm. and I don't want to lose that like ability to, to do that but I definitely want to like control it and like but in perspective you know yeah, you said it's like a superpower, right? Yeah. And it's like what Spider-Man says, greater power comes greater responsibility. It seems like yeah. you're you're starting to recognize you do have a superpower, but uh, perhaps you don't quite have the ability to harness it yeah. yet right now. That's, that's exactly what I think it is. Yeah, therapy would probably definitely help with that. Yeah, and I think but, part of the reason I can't harness it is because I don't understand where it's originating from or right. how it was created. And all that context and all that knowledge or kind of working through that and those having more tools in my toolbox, be able to recognize when I'm acting out of ego versus true interest and passion and love and things that I will naturally grow as a person as opposed to just perpetuating things that I've already done many times in my life um, like those tools to be able to distinguish those two environments I think are going to be very important mm-hmm. um, and I mean I don't know I think it's worth the, the money because it's like something that's going to be very efficient it's like training right you can go and fucking spend 10 years of your life learning, learning how to do basic lifts or you can pay a personal trainer $100 an hour and they'll teach this shit mm-hmm. I'd rather pay someone mm-hmm. I'm no longer interested in I already did my I did I did that many times over with my own fitness with the education system with the American society with government I've done that many times over I have no interest in repeating that process again mm-hmm. so I will gladly pay someone to help me with through this journey mm-hmm. yeah Dude, it's uh, I really like the superpower thing. I, I rec- I've recognized that in you from the jump. I mean, it's easy to see during EFTI during our training that, uh, like you exuded that. You not only exuded the competency of the material that you know we were studying, but you exuded that. I, I don't know, like the less tangible kind of yeah, the radiating fire, fire yeah, it's energy fire. within this kind of glow, uh, and I think that's real. Um, Perhaps we all have it to different degrees, or you know, we develop its capacity. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I really think like the tr- the tricky next step is well, it's first off developing. I think we're all capable of developing. Yeah. It and you recognize like, oh shit, like oh shit, existence, life, reality is kind of like clay. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. And I can mold the clay. Yes. And it's oh shit, it just I takes my power. effort yes. and my focus to yes. be able to mold the clay. Yes. Right. Yes. yes. And then. Yes. But then you have to, once you recognize, okay, I can multiply, I can turn into different shapes, then you have to recognize, like, oh, okay, well, what shape do I want to create? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I've, I feel like I've been stuck in that realm for a few years now. Where it's, I think, I think you're coming to terms with these things earlier than I did. You're 22. I probably came to terms, like, started recognizing those things probably in my mid to late 20s. And in my last few years, I've just been kind of just existing with that knowledge mm-hmm. so we're kind of at this a similar yeah. state I think actually in terms of our uh, self growth uh, and I'm at that similar path okay okay, what am I going to make out of this ball of clay exactly uh, yeah but I definitely see that in you man which is why I wanted to do this with you so <laughs> thank I, you you're, you're a special individual you can tell I I, I, there's, I think back to this, this this thing that I remember where I read it or where I heard it from but it was like it was like uh, war it was like tough time creates strong people, right? Uh, strong people create good societies, like safe, right? Mm-hmm. Like calm and like you don't have to worry about things, right? Uh, strong, peaceful society creates weak people, yeah, 
right? Then those weak people create shitty times. Then those shitty times create great people, and those great people protect and create weak people. And it's this cycle. Yeah. And I was fortunately, I guess, fortunately placed in the part of the, the cycle where I was paced, placed in the tough times. And I came out a strong person. Because you either come out as a strong person or you don't come out at all. Right. Yeah. And I knew that not coming out at all wasn't an option for me. Right. So I had to come out as a strong person regardless of whatever that meant. Um, and now my biggest fear is having a family and being that strong person that makes calm, easy times and creates weak people. That you have That family. I will be, yeah. I will be that person. A father to weak children, essentially. Yes. Wow, and okay. I will create that environment and create that comfort and that that will perpetuate then weak, like non-independent, non uh, like like dedicated or just like inspired, like non-motivated like people that are just comfortable with cruising through life. Do you ever do you, do you ever fear that you will become that person, or is your grace? Do you that feel I will so become li- like a a weak fuck? No, no, never. No, I know that as long as I live. I'm always going to be working towards something. And okay. There's going to be always but, growth. and. But you're afraid that that work will turn in, will yeah. create a comfortable lifestyle yeah. that will then you will reproduce mm-hmm. and create that comfortable lifestyle will yeah. create weak people. Yeah. Okay. Wow. You're thinking way down. You're thinking <laughs> yeah. right on the road than I am at this point. Yeah, dude. It's like, it's like, cause I know that's the only reason I have this superpower is because I had to create it to overcome all the shit that I've been thrown. So if there's no shit you have to overcome, then there's no reason for you to create, you uh-huh. know? It's like when you go to, like, if you don't work out, you don't give stress to your muscles, there's no reason for right. them to grow. So my now my question is, like, how much stress can I apply to these children? To when? To what degree? How do I measure this? How do I program this right. stress? And how do I program or, or create or foster this create an artificially stressful, an artificially stressful environment. environment to give them the characteristics and things that I think would allow them to be them be successful and not dependent on my success and then you know have that kind of break that cycle right let me ask you kind of close out have you ever seen a therapist psychiatrist anything no never. no you never been on medication anything never it's interesting I think it's important uh, because you, as you've expressed you've gone through some difficult psychological times but I think it's super important that you pulled yourself out of them yourself without relying on it's probably therapy could have helped you get it, gotten out of it sooner and therapy maybe would have helped you avoid like uh, like current Confusion. emotional downturns yeah. uh, but I think it's important that you didn't like get put on medication or anything at yeah. any point because I know so many people that have I think that's a quick fix. That it's like steroids, right? Like yeah. It definitely doesn't allow you to develop like the musculature, mm-hmm. the, the knowledge base that you actually need uh, for long-term healthy living. Okay. Yeah, I just want to ask you that. Because it seems like that resiliency that you're discussing and alluding to and the confidence now that you have in yourself, that, that resiliency is yeah. just a part of who you are now. Yeah. Like you're saying, it was forged in during difficult times and having to come out of those difficult times yourself. Yeah. Damn, bro. Well, thank you for doing this, man. Uh, that was fucking awesome. And like I said, uh, you're a special dude, and I, I wanted to. Thank uh, you. Uh, it's I been awesome meeting you, and and I don't know. It's increasingly I recognize, like you know, special people are kind of few and far between, and so when you meet them, try to hold on to them as much as you can. <laughs> but I'm about to disappear. But this is just 
you know, some way that hopefully, you know, our relationship can last. So Yeah, no, definitely. It's I appreciate amazing. it, man. I'm happy. Anything Let's else to share with the world? Stop bitching and get your shit done. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to end it. Thank you, brother. You're welcome.